Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. You remember how you got your first step in the door. You don't make a mess. Bill was very close with Eric. And his very normal human reaction was a feeling of betrayal. And he distanced himself from those of us that were closest to him. You could feel a certain type of energy in that building, a certain type of anger a certain type of vengeance. Good afternoon. Welcome in. It's Jones and Mego. Mine is Jones and Mego, the way everybody really wants it. Let's be honest here, <laughs> right, Ryan? Uh, Arkan here in the big chair. We got Andy Hart alongside. Nice to have you with us here this afternoon on this uh, getaway Friday for me. Uh, what you just heard there was, I believe, from episode three or the beginning of episode four of the Dynasty. Uh, which two more episodes came out yesterday, uh, last night. I watched one last night and then one this morning. Saw so a uh, strapping young Andy Hart out there in the scrum, or out yeah. there in the uh, in the um, front row. Front row, yeah, right. You sitting were sitting next out to Curran, there. Curran, Perillo. Uh, baby face Curran. Uh, Perillo still looked old. And, oh, uh, wow. Shot across <laughs> the bow. You're not wrong. Shot across the bow. And uh, Gasper really was the most uh, striking. The young Gasper. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, like... He just he looked he looked very different. He well, both of us had I'd the say. same reaction in a different way. Yeah, and a reaction I would have never thought I would have had about Chris Gasper. What's you that? said he looked like what? I said he looked like uh, Chris Evans before he went into the Captain America machine. Yeah. and got all ripped. That's what he. That's what he looked like. I, I likened it to Barry Bonds because the Chris <laughs> Gasper I know now has a bigger head. So I think we both believe Chris Gasper took PEDs. Yes, uh, absolutely, <laughs> and grew. Or something happened there. Something sure. happened. And it's not like he's, like, ripped now, but... No, I no, mean, he just looks guy. bigger. Yeah. He was like a... It was, <laughs> it was very weird, but uh, before we get going, I wanted to let you know, see, I don't know, you didn't catch my theme of my wardrobe today. Let's see. Cra right. Okay. I was inspired by... Got the KSB. Yeah, not the hat. Yep. Forget the, not forget the hat. The, yep. This, and mm -hmm. then underneath, I oh, have... Oh, wow. This is the shirt I wore on the sideline as a PR rep for the Patriots wow. in the 2001 season. That is uh, that is something. It's an Adidas. It still fits. It's still it's actually a little big now, thanks to Awaken 180, our <laughs> friends over there. 
Yeah, Very nice. Well all right, so we so got carry you for life over there. We got yeah. company man Andy Hart all uh, dressed up in his uh, best Pat Patriot. Uh, uh, not sure on right the company now. man though. Flying based Elvis on over here. Some of my reactions <laughs> to this uh, documentary and the way it's unfolding, but I did enjoy it. I, I, like first step, are you enjoying the first four? Absolutely. I'm I'm enjoying them a lot. Uh, the uh, the first two episodes I thought really um, did a good job of of capturing what the early days were like and sort of the uh, the run up to that Super Bowl. I remember it all very well, and uh, I think they did a good job with that here too. I think in the first couple episodes. Going away from Drew Bledsoe and what that all sort of meant, I think, was captured very well. I think they did a very good job with that. Um, the more it's starting to unfold, the more you're sort of seeing the Kraft Dynasty LLC kind of pop out there. That's a little on the disappointing side if I was going to make one critique of it. Uh, but overall, I'm enjoying it a lot. Same. I'm enjoying it, even though I lived it. So, right. But I, my one of my takeaways, and this is in part tied to my buddy Mike Cadlick, His he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of young people in this Patriot Nation that... A twinkle in Mr. Cadlick's eye back then, wasn't he? I think, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and they are learning, because I think the star of the first two to three episodes, the badass MFer, is Drew Bledsoe. Mm. In, a, in the weirdest way. Teddy Bruschi credits him with the Patriot way. Yeah. You have the, the Super Bowl on the line, and he's like, F it. Like, he brought a different swagger to Tom Brady, who's the guy playing... That I'm not sure people were like Drew is almost a laughing stock to some people, and I'm like, dude was the best quarterback that ever stepped into Foxborough Stadium or wore a Patriots uniform until you got the damn goat. Yeah, so he was great, and I, I'm enjoying the fact that it's sort of I think rekindling the respect that Drew Bledsoe deserves. Yeah, and he does deserve it. I I agree with that, and I think that you know you saw. You saw for a long time him just sort of as the guy that Brady replaced, and that's it. Yeah. And then he went off to Dallas and Buffalo, and he was okay, but you know he didn't the really stiff. do anything. You after remember that. the the, the guy yeah. Pioli talked about like early in his career, Drew was a good to sometimes great quarterback. Pioli mm-hmm. said in I think episode two, and then he got hit a lot, and that's where Ernie Adams started. You know, what do you compare him to a wildebeest under yeah. attack? And, <laughs> and then they cl- they show it, and you're like. Yeah, Ernie was kind of right. He looks like a wildebeest under attack. It did look like that, yeah. Um, Very nature documentary uh, feel to that, too. Drew was great, and Drew, you know, the the idea that Drew probably could have ruined the 2001 season if he just wanted to be a total diva dink. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think more people look at him as a diva, and, well, he's such a diva, he chose not to. Right. He sat in the background and allowed Tom Brady to take over. Not happy about it, but allowed him to take over and win, and then we go down the road. Now, Pioli is the one, and we started with that clip. What do you think of Pioli in this? I think Pioli is very melodramatic. That's what that's what sticks out to me the most. Is this the mob or the mafia, or is <laughs> yeah. it a football team and a guy that got a job as an intern and worked his way up and then left? I'm expecting his like face to be blacked out and like a voice like, yes. <laughs> distorter in the background. Like that's how he talked. Those are the sort of things that he said. But that thing Bill about Belichick was never the same. After right. All right. I never once saw them break a hammer the tapes in the other row. Like you know that that's what it, that's the that's the tone of how he speaks. That stuff about the narcotic thing at the end of the episode three, I thought was dynamite. I thought that was really good. But yes, he does have a very sort of dramatic tone to pretty much every contribution he's made yes, to this thing. So and far. I think he's been really good. Yeah, it's compelling. I mean, a lot of them have been. A lot of these. So we talked to Jeff Benedict um, on the Six Rings Pod. We did like an hour with Jeff, and I thought Jeff was a little dramatic when he was telling us how good every interview was. Jeff was like, this guy was great. Moss was great. Brewski's great. And now that I've watched four episodes, Jeff's right. Basically, everyone that has talked, other than Bill Belichick, has been great. Yeah. Bill sucks. Bill's been but I think that's Bill's been a... Been good. But I think that's been a, a, a... Like, almost an artistic tool they're using. They are... 
I firmly believe that a good docu- documentarian can convince me of anything. Yeah. If they know what they're doing with the music, with the lighting, with the cutaway, with the info, what they include, I'm convinced that, oh, we never went to the moon, or, oh, there were never dinosaurs, or there's a dinosaur living next to me and he's an alien too. Like, they can do whatever. And the only one that they've chosen or just he didn't want to take part, the Bill thing is everybody else, gold. One quota, Ty Law, gold. Tom Brady, gold. Like, everybody's been good. Yeah, the everyone. Bill Parcells debut was, and again, it's, yeah. it's how they sequence this documentary that I think is really interesting, where they have these cutaways, and they're talking about Bill Parcells, and then there's just this shot of Bill Parcells. It's it's their screen test, so to speak, and they use it in the documentary in order to introduce them. Like, I was not expecting Bill Parcells to partake in this, and I think they did the same thing when they were talking about Randy Moss, and Josh McDaniels is saying, we got to find a guy that's going to hang 50, and they just show Randy Moss's face. It's all artistically, like, it's all really Really, really the cool. camera like yeah. pans over to him. You see the one earring, <laughs> like the other one. Yeah, like, no, they it, up, yeah. now Parcells. He went the opposite. All of documentaries. His are head doing shrunk. That yes. Days, yeah. yes, he went through one of the head shrinkers because when he first came on, I was like, "Holy crap, that's Parcells!" It's not the and I know he's aging, and you know that's part of the we process. All are, Andy. Yeah, that's true. But he, uh, seen his eighties now. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. old. Early eighties, I think. Yeah, he's, he's got to be right. He's pretty old, and um, he's not going in the Patriot Hall of Fame anytime soon. He looked, on. he looked old in the two bills. You know, I thought. Oh yeah, I, I noticed. Yeah, I was yeah. like, wow, okay. The tune is, well, he tune was kind of old. Yeah. He was old here. Yeah. yeah, even though he wasn't really old, he was an older looking. Probably didn't lead the healthiest of life. He like so when Bill Belichick was his age, he looked. He didn't look like that. Right. You well, know? that's the other thing. When yeah. you see the old Bill, you're like, wow, he looked much younger than than I really recall. It ages you here. Uh, the part you just mentioned about Teddy Bruschi talking about Drew Bledsoe, I loved that part. Uh, the whole thing about the Patriot way, I thought was great. This is what it sounded like. I mean, Drew could have messed a lot of things up, but as frustrated as Drew was, he still was very supportive to Tom. That meant a lot for me to see. All this stuff Belichick says, like doing your job and putting the team first, Drew was like living that. I mean, there's a $100 million quarterback doing what's best for the team. And that's where I think the Patriot way started. You know, Brewski's pretty melodramatic himself. You know, oh, yeah. That I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there like are, you know, he does. But it's like I was just sort of getting on Pioli about that. Brewski's every bit the <laughs> every bit the drama queen that uh, Pioli 100%, 100%. was. 100%. Yeah. 100%. But he's good. He's right about that, and too. And I don't know that I've ever, because this is one of those great debates. There's so many great debates in Patriot Dynasty over the years. But one of the great debates is like, what is the Patriot way and where right. did it start? And some people just say, it's stupid, never heard of it, I never said it once. And then Brewski's like, well, the Patriot way, I think all of us tend to say, well, it's Belichick or it's Brady or it's Kraft. With, with. He just basically said it's Drew. Like yeah. the, the subjugation of the ego to steal Robert Kraft's phrase from the, that time period. And again, I, I love that Drew, Drew is getting a little love. Like, I don't think I came into this expecting the dynasty. I'm 40% through the dynasty. Mm-hmm. And Drew feels like one of the stars of it. Yeah, he's been, and kind he's kind of, of a man. bit player. <laughs> I know. Um, so you right. mean to say the Patriot way didn't start when Bill Belichick gave his hotel room to Lawyer Malloy? No, no, that was good that too. Was very selfless. That was funny. That was very good. I enjoyed that. What is with this team in these bad hotels? <laughs> can well, they just, that was. Can they put their guys up in a decent hotel? No, that was a weird <laughs> hotel because it was an older New Orleans hotel, and I actually did the opposite. So I was working for Stacy James at the time. Mm-hmm. We got to the hotel, and Stacy had, like, family. I don't even remember. He had multiple, like, guests, wife, kids, cousin, uncle. I don't even know who it was. I had just my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and I had a huge room. <laughs> and Stacy had a closet. And <laughs> if I remember correctly, we switched. I don't know if I volunteered to switch or Stacy said we're switching. But, but the girlfriend liked it. 
yeah. Well, I mean, she was at. The, she's my wife now, by the way. Oh, um, good. But uh, j- just in case you say anything, it's funny even said she's still my girlfriend. Rats. <laughs> um, well, no, yeah, but uh, I mean, she was at the Super Bowl. She was dating me, and she's going to the Super Bowl. Like, I don't Pretty think good. she could complain about literally anything. Mm-hmm. Shut up and enjoy it. <laughs> um, yes, that was uh, yeah the hotel thing. I I enjoyed Lawyer Malloy being like, oh man, like he told you about that. That was pretty funny. And that was one of the only times that Belichick I thought seemed like a human in the entire thing and in anything he was describing the whole time. Well, and that's, you know, like joshing around with the players, like he didn't. Yep. You don't see much of that. And that's the one thing. Is maybe I'm a sucker for this, like you said, over dramatic, but I think pretty much everybody I feel like is being relatively genuine, honest, mm. other than Bill. Bill clearly didn't want to take part, clearly didn't say anything. He's press conference Bill. Uh, I think I've said that. I think that's Stacy, can you get them the release? I think we've gone over that, that kind of thing. But everybody else, they seem to be enjoying it. Now, a lot of these guys are older, like that's distant memories, but even the, the Vrabel thing. When Willie was like, I think you're breaking Brady. I think that yeah, might have been episode two. you're going too two. far here. And he's like, he'll be fine, or <laughs> By he's the way, okay. Willie McGinnis saying that is pretty funny. Oh, yeah, because Willie, Willie McGinnis, McGinnis. the guy who bashes guys over the head. In the and was the most feared guy in that locker room. <laughs> he's Players like, easy, like, easy, Mike, easy, Because you think of where Willie had ties to, where he'd come from. People legitimately right. were fearful of Willie, and Willie's telling Mike Vrabel to maybe ease off the quarterback before you break him. That that was good. Yeah, even for, uh, even for us, this was a lot. Uh, here was the part where Scott Pioli, Talked about how uh, the game is like a narcotic. This was the end of episode three, and it dovetailed nicely into the beginning of uh, episode four, which was all about Spygate. This is how they framed it. It's difficult to explain to people sometimes, but this game is like a narcotic. When you have success, every time you get a little bit, you want a little bit more. The highest highs that you feel each time that you win you're chasing that forever. There was this group of us <laughs> that that became addicts together. And we were actually enabling one another. Some of us know it, some of us don't, some don't care. As time goes by, your relationship with the drug, it, it changes. After winning, instead of euphoria, it's just a relief. And when you lost, it was, it was dark. You would do anything and everything to stop the fear of losing. Anything. You know the first thing I thought of with that? Have you seen, we're talking about documentaries in various points today. Did you see Beyond the Mat, I believe it was called? The oh, wrestling yeah. one I've with seen it. Jake the Snake. Not, not for a long time, but yeah. I know I'm aware of it, but I didn't see it. The first thing I thought of yeah. in that documentary, Jake the Snake talks about road life and sex and how, like, there's a groupie, you have sex, and then, like, and that's not really interesting. And now you need two groupies. Yep. And now you need this. And like the escalation of what you need it's, to sort of it get is off. The mindset of an addict. If one is good, then a hundred must be amazing. Right. And it's the same thing, whether it's sex or winning football or drugs or gambling. It's that addiction to the juice, to the to that feeling. And it's so true, right? Like you're you and the players always talk about that. They yeah. didn't love winning as much as hated losing. So now you're racking up the wins, but it's like now it's just business. And I firmly believe that's why they lost in the desert. Had nothing to do with the Giants. Really? I think they looked at it as a business trip. I think there was an expectation. I've always said this. and They I'll, didn't think they could lose. No, they they just expected to. Instead of yeah. going in like, this is the biggest game of our careers and it's a coronation and we're the baddest. It was like a business trip. We're just going to show up and do what we've done 18 straight times. And I always tell the story. And people in Patriots land are probably sick of me telling the stupid story. On the plane ride out, we watched... I like stories. <laughs> Miracle 
and Rocky Four. Huh. Two of the biggest upset f- stories that you'll ever see on the planet. And I was like, why are we watching? This? Like, yeah. We are the Russians in these movies. <laughs> why are we setting the tone of upset You're Goliath. City? Like, what do we do? Yeah, let's let's put that in there, too. David versus Goliath. Let's see if we can find a few more. Let's, we're going to read a Bible passage. You're, chosen you're David the windshield. The giants are right. the fly. And to me, that planted some weird seed that I still believe mattered. It's stupid. I know. The movie you watched on the plane flying to the game Pretty shouldn't young. matter. It shouldn't. But I believe it did. Prove otherwise. I'm trying to think of, like, sports movies where the underdog doesn't win. I guess Rocky won. Um, there's not that many other ones. The underdog usually wins in the sports movies. So I don't yeah. know. Like, so what don't watch one watch of those. Rocky one over and over again. Or don't watch a sports movie. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Watch something the, else. I mean, the, 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 watch The Natural. He's great. Like, That's he goes true. through, tries it. Like, watch something where the guy who's supposed to be great is great. Mm-hmm. That's that's okay. Yeah. Maybe it's a boring movie. Well, that's a different subject if you got to have the underdog win to have a good sports movie. But don't watch upset stories when you're on your way to hopefully not be upset. That is a, a good point. Our big cue at two today, which we are now just getting to, is who is the biggest threat to the Patriots outside of the organization? The choices are Roger Goodell, Eric Mangini, Bernie Pollard, and the New York Giants. I voted the Giants, but Roger Goodell is up uh, almost 50%, over 50% of the vote. We'll get Andy Hart's thoughts on that as well. But right now, here's Ryan Garvin to tell you what's trending. This is Jones and Mego on WEI. On WEI. We finally got some success, but I felt like Kraft wasn't always in line with the things that I knew to be in the best interest of building a team. Kraft had no real background in football, and in his inexperience, took the draft away from me, and he gave it to somebody else. I felt like some people that were incompetent we're making decisions for the organization personnel-wise, and I didn't like it. And I knew I wasn't going back to the Patriots. Big Tuna. That's Bill Parcells in the uh, third episode, I believe, of the Dynasty. I watched one last night and one this morning, and I'm mixing up which uh, one was in which episode. But that was definitely number three. Uh, it's Christian Arcan, Andy Hart, in for Jones and Mego today. Uh, I wanted to sort of use that as a jumping off point about the Patriots' current power structure and the Kraft's evolving role over time. I mean, that was 30 years ago almost uh, when Parcells was having those type of issues with the Crafts and the people that they were installing. There was the famous quote about the groceries that we all remember. Yep. Um, here we are in 2024. The entire structure of the uh, organization has been sort of torn down and built back up. In some cases, there's a lot of holdovers. Bill Belichick's obviously gone, so there's a new uh, there's a new tip of the spear, I guess you can say. Um, what are your impressions, I guess, Andy, on the uh, power structure then as opposed to what it is today as we see the formation of this coaching staff? Well, I, w- I would rewind even further because I think it is an interesting thematic thread or whatever throughout this whole thing when Robert buys the team and Drew and everybody's like, ooh. This is a guy that's going to spend some money. He's invested. He's around. This isn't just a billionaire who doesn't care. He's a fan. He wants to invest his time and his energy into winning. Parcel said that, too. Yeah, and then you get to the point where, ah, now you've invested too much time, and you're meddlesome, and you're driving a Hall of Fame caliber coach away. So it dipped again, and then he gives total control to Bill Belichick at some point. If you use Robert's words, it was basically after the third Super Bowl that Bill Mm -hmm. took the full control 
But now we're back to the excitement that Robert Kraft represents an owner who might want to get back to winning and saving face and improving his own um, aura around the team. So I think we've come full circle, and the guy that's supposed to you know, bring ownership legitimacy in 1993 might be the guy that we're expecting to go out and spend, I don't know, after today's numbers, 90 to $100 million of cap space this offseason. Yeah, you just heard Ryan Garvin tell you that in trending, but there has been a uh, increase now in, uh, in the salary cap, a significant increase for uh, all the teams out there, which, by the way, I don't love for the Patriots. I don't think that's a great thing for just the Patriots. It ri- just uh, drives the prices up. It does, and it also incentivizes these other teams to keep their own players and keep mm-hmm. their own wide receivers and just resign them. And, you know, we'll see if the Patriots want to go way up and above and blow these teams out of the water with offers for Mike Evans or Michael Pittman or Calvin Ridley or any of the guys who are out there, but it's going to be hard to do that now that these teams all have another $30 million to play with. Well, I mean, the cap was going to go up. We knew post-COVID there were these, like, owed things, and I don't even going to get all the numbers of it, but it was going to go, and then we knew that the massive new TV deals, there was going to be a massive jump. Right. But an extra $5 million, that's a decent amount of money for everybody to work with, and every agent's like, well, price just went up $5 million on everything I asked <laughs> right. for, plus five. Uh, I'm not as negative as you. I think you you a little too much Jones carryover in you. Hey. Suddenly, it's a bad thing that they have money to spend. No! No, they it's a bad thing the other teams all have money It doesn't money matter. They have more money than almost everybody not named Washington. And when they get done with J.C. Jackson and all those things, they might end up with the most money. They got $100 million, and I am not going to turn that into a negative, my friend. Fine, but they also have more work to do than most teams out there to rebuild their offense, would you, would you say? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, they're going to have to spend all that money. Yeah, you got $100 million in good draft picks. Do it right, and you'll be okay in a couple That's years. That's true, and I agree. And do I it think wrong, and you'll be fired in a couple years. You're also going to have to spend more because the Patriots are not a situation that any free agent's looking at and saying, you know, this is a, this is a spot I'd like to be. I, I want to go to New England yeah. and, and play with what quarterback, with what uh, offensive line. There's, everything has to be rebuilt. I don't think it's a very attractive place. It wasn't an attractive place for offensive coordinators, and I don't think it will be for offensive players unless you spend way more than everybody else. And I also think, and this is another thing, and maybe I am being too influenced by Jones lately, but you keeping Parker and Schuster on the roster? Because if you cut them, that's going to be the cost of another wide receiver, right? I mean, like, so, you know, like it's going to cost a a decent amount just to get rid of those guys. I would probably keep one of them. Like, in my little world, you probably have free agent signing, Demario Douglas, third-round draft pick, Kendrick Bourne, whoever's left, whoever you think has got more left in the tank of those two. Well, pick one. Uh, Parker or Juju? I'd probably go Juju. Yeah. I don't know. Do I want bone on bone versus... <laughs> Gross. Whatever the hell. <laughs> they both stink. I don't know what you want me to tell you. great. I think I'd lean more towards Devontae Parker just because he's a bigger target you know, for your hopeful rookie quarterback to go and, and find and work with. Yeah, but the most overrated thing we've seen in the last few years is, oh, it's not a 50-50, it's an 80-20 when I'm involved. Yeah, 80-20 for the other team. 80-20. <laughs> I just, can you pull a safety away from the middle of the field so a better receiver can get open and doesn't get hospital balled going across the middle? That's what I want. I don't think you're going to get anything out of Juju at this point. Well, His you're playing the worst. He was a landmine going into this season. You're playing the worst defense that's ever been on the planet if the safety's like, oh, there's a dangerous receiver and there's Devontae Parker, and I'm looking at Devontae Parker. I got to have hope Parker. at some point. If you're telling me I got to pay one of these guys, I'm going to go pay Devontae Parker if I can only have one, if I can get rid of the other with no issues. Okay. Well, we're getting off topic here, and the topic it's is what I do. Uh, the, uh, the, the crafts meddling, the crafts getting involved. A um, shot at Bobby Greer, too, right? Uh, yeah. Just a flat-out so. shot. There were people making decisions who weren't really qualified. I don't Didn't think know that what they was were a craft right? thing. And then the other aspect of that is, doesn't this go back to Terry Glenn? 
who Glenn was good. Glenn was a problem, yeah. Who, but no, like, they were, they he were, didn't want Glenn. Right. He wanted, this is where I need my Paul Perillo, the old guy you made fun of in segment one. <laughs> he would know this. Uh, who's the D, he wanted a D, D lineman. Instead of Terry I Glenn. was 10 years old while this was happening, man. You're looking you at the wrong You have Google. Okay, sure, I'll, I'll Google. But yes, it was a, uh, and then Terry Glenn was good. Yes. Terry Glenn came right out of the gates and caught, whatever, 96 passes. See, that part I remember. Parcells said he wanted Marvin Harrison instead of Terry Glenn? I don't think that's true. I thought he wanted a D lineman instead. Tony of Brackens. Oh, not Tony Brackens. Parcells wanted to draft defensive end Tony Brackens with their first round pick. It was vetoed by oh. Kraft. They ultimately selected Ohio State wide receiver Terry Glenn. Oh, okay, maybe. I thought it was a better name. So it's an even better um, <laughs> point, though. What, the player, or you just don't like the name Tony Brackens? It makes me think of. Brackens is kind of a cool name. Tony Braxton, who was Curtis Martin's girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. And he went to the jet, Jets with Parcells. So this whole thing Six is now... Six degrees This of is Kevin how my Bacon. brain works, and it's not well for organized radio. But yes, he 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 Par, Parcells wanted to make a mistake. Tony Brackens would have been a mistake. Terry Glenn was a good player for them. Right out the gates. I, he, again, I take your word for it. I don't have the working knowledge that you old guys have watching this team happen. That is hurtful. And Terry Glenn there, caught like wisdom. 96 there's, passes. There's some wisdom, I think, somewhere in there. I don't know if it's wisdom as much as random information. Yeah, something like that. Um, Tony Brackens, whoever it was, I mean, that was uh, that was a thing that happened back then, and they overruled it. And for 20 years, I don't think that there was a lot of overruling that was getting done in the Belichick era. I think maybe Gronkowski and Brady, and that's about it, right? You know, they wanted yeah. to trade Gronkowski, and he said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to trade him to Detroit. And uh, well, Gronk, I think they, no, Gronk blew that up. Gronk he crashed is going to retire. No, my understanding is Gronk said, I'll retire, and you can't trade a retired player. <laughs> okay, well, then may, maybe I uh, Gronk dug his misunderstood feet that then. Yeah. But, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, problems with Brady and Belichick towards the end as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Kraft did get involved, but ultimately ended up siding with Bill. Either way, um, with the power structure being what it is right now, mm. with uh, Robin Glazer, uh, Hammer Time, walking down the hallway there, uh, being the li- liaison from not the team to the league anymore, but it seems more like the team to the coaching staff or the uh, front office to the coaching staff, um, what sort of role are the Crafts, if any, going to have in this third overall pick? Uh, I think uh, advisory. I don't think they're meddling. I, I know people want, and you guys probably want to talk it up because it's good two to six radio if Jonathan Kraft is a talking point and he's meddling and and those things. I think it's Elliot Wolf and You don't Gerard think that's Mayo. a talking point if that happens? If it happens. Right. I don't think it's happening. You just asked me what I think the okay, power fine, structure is. Okay, fine, but you were acting like I that's think not it's even Elli- worth discussing. Well, I don't think it is until we have any idea that it's actually happening. Okay. I think right now, Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are being allowed to do their thing. Now, that may be a disaster. And I think Elliot Wolf has final say on the the personnel decisions. Like, I know we want to have intrigue in this guy, and Jonathan's going to be picking number three overall, or Robin Glazer is going to be signing a free agent. I think Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are running the football operation at Gillette Stadium. Well, I know Gerard Mayo is because they named him the head coach. What's Elliot Wolf exactly? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so, you know, if, if the head of the personnel him, department. Okay, but if they're giving him that much autonomy and it's completely hands off, don't you think they'd at least call him the general manager? Like, isn't uh, that something you do in that case? No, like, I think they actually can't because then there would be Rooney Rule violations. All right, well, then they could have done it that way and gone they through would the have had to have sham some... interview processes and just hired Correct. them anyway, which is what every right. other team does. And and there may also be a uh, interim uh, aspect to this because I do think it's interesting that he usurped Matt Groh. Matt Groh has been the highest-ranking personnel guy the last couple of years as the, I think he was the director of player personnel. Mm-hmm. And now clearly he is second fiddle to Elliot Wolf, which I also find weird. I think that's hard to do. I think it's hard to... 
Like, if you were the host of this show and then all of a sudden Adam Jones takes over, like, you'd probably be pissy. Probably, right? Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah, if this more chair, than usual. He definitely, yeah, I know, <laughs> not anymore true. than I usually am. But, or, or vice versa. Like, if this were the new thing and next time I come in here, he's behind that screen over there, Adam Jones. Wouldn't mm-hmm. he be pissy? Probably. Is that a good working environment? For me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for you, you're Elliot Wolf. You <laughs> yeah. just got a promotion. Be great. <laughs> you're making the decisions, but Matt Grow, Adam is Jones, behind the glass. is pissing and moaning and doing all kinds of things behind if the you glass. football, this is the place to be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Remember when he said he was spending the money? I've only spent the money around here for the last couple of years, so don't <laughs> criticize me. Well, you're not spending the money anymore, it doesn't seem like. You're guys just... who love football know that this is a place for guys who love football. You got the uh, you want fast players draft Tyquan Thornton cut? Oh, yeah. Because that didn't go well. No, no, it did oh, not. He's getting jacked, though. You, you've been checking out social media? I saw Kendrick Bourne was yeah. uh, was commenting on it. He's uh, getting the XXL. <laughs> you want to get faster? Just like if you want to get tougher, you better get tough guys. Okay. You want to get faster? You better get fast guys. What's more laughable, that or collaborative in the uh, we teach from a position of love? Uh, collaborative is going to be the most overused word in the Patriots offseason. We've already heard it 30 times going into the introductory it. press conferences for the coaching staff. Hate it. Because then it's like, well, it's like, how do I hold anybody accountable? How, how can I, as a fan, go, who am I mad at? Who can I credit? Who is responsible for the shape of this team now that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the Patriots dynasty is officially over? Who am I looking at? Who is making decisions? And it's the exact opposite of what we've lived forever, where, fair or not, you praised or criticized Bill. In the end, even he said it, remember? In the end, it, it falls on yeah. me, mm-hmm. whatever that quote whatever was. Whatever it is, blame me. And and now it's the opposite. Almost whatever happens, we're not real sure. Should we praise Jonathan or should we praise Robin? Should we praise Robert? Well, that, that's what, what I think Arcand is getting it at is. as far that's as like the- where, where Robin Glazer kind of fits into this whole thing as far as having like like a liaison to ownership. Like She might not be making decisions, but you know she's reporting all the details that are going on in these meetings right back to Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft. And therefore, in the hiring process for the offensive coordinator, I, I she was think in those that meetings. is super bizarre that the person who's just negotiating contract, it would be like having a payroll person in when you guys are negotiating a new contract. Well, like, why are they here? Are they, they're just here to do money talk? Can't we do this after the fact? Like, I think it's a little more than it's made out to be. And I think it's because Robert and Jonathan do want to get their franchise back. And if that's the case, then, then you blame them. Some, exactly yeah. it, Arkan. Something well, starts to get pointed you, back at the crash. Right. In the end, I believe that. You can blame them because. But they may not necessarily be meddling. Right. Right. But you blame it's them their for organization. The, for the choices that they made. Right? You yeah. believed in Gerard Mayo because you went to Israel with him five years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, if that blows up. That that all trails back to you. Yeah. It's kind of like Brady. Oh, Belichick got rid of him. No, 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 no. Robert Kraft made a decision to allow Bill to make the decision. So, right. therefore, it goes back to Robert Kraft. Yes, and he's been very fraudulent about that so far uh, in all of his talks about it. Uh, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Our big cue at 2, which we're uh, getting to now at 2.30, is who is the biggest threat to the Patriots outside the organization? Roger Goodell, Eric Mangini, Bernard Pollard, or the New York football giants? What say you, Andy Hart? I certainly don't say uh, the response that I kept getting on my Twitter feed from the trolls and those types. Mm-hmm. Which, the media. You forgot to put the media. The yeah, answer's right. not even an option. Uh, Bill would probably believe it's the media, too. Um, yeah, I can confirm that. <laughs> so how did the media threaten the, 
You know, like yeah. maybe you could say the Tomasi article, but like they did retract it and they did apologize. Like, what was the threat really that we posed? Is what I was. I'm wondering. I remember during uh, DeflateGate in particular, the media rallying around that team for the most part. Yes. I, that's that's how I recall that. And the same thing with Spygate. So I think I it's mean, had a friend, very friendly media for the bulk of 25 years. Yeah, you know, very, for the most very. part, there was uh, people on the radio. You ever hear of Jerry Thornton? <laughs> you ever <laughs> hear of Fitzy? Ever hear of Pete Shepard? Guys that are up on walls, like. Everything has been positive. It's basically been freaking show ponies and butterflies yeah. for 25 years. And listen, years. the end was ugly, and uh, we we covered it and uh, talked about it for the ugly thing that it was, but we didn't make it ugly. It was like I was going to say, the end wasn't ugly because of us. The right. end was ugly because of the scoreboard and the performances on the field and a first-round broken quarterback and dumbass coaching decisions and everything that went into it. So it wasn't the media. Who was it? Uh, of the options you gave me, I go with the New York Giants. Okay. what's If it was uh, E other, then what would that well, be? I put the Giants by extension, and I told you this. This was an epiphany I had while watching episode four, mm -hmm. that the beginning of the end was the 2007 season when Spygate created an atmosphere in which Teddy Bruschi and Tom Brady and all the players rallied around Bill Belichick. He's an a-hole, but he's our a-hole. He's our coach, and you can't say crap about him. We're going to whoop you. We're going right. to score 40 and 50 points You're a gonna game. You're going to run up the score. And then when Tom Brady was in the same position... Bill Belichick said, yeah, I don't know. Ask Tom about his balls. Yeah, I'm no Mona Lisa Vito. I mean, I, <laughs> I just work here. Don't ask me. Don't shoot the messenger. Uh, I think that whole dynamic, full support of Bill Belichick when he was in a time of need, and then failure to fully support Tom Brady. In fact, a great point. Bill had his replacement ready. In fact, I get four games with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if you people know. I kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. This is a test to see how good Jimmy Garoppolo can be. No doubt. <laughs> so I think the Giants' loss and that season was in a weird way. Bill and Tom may not have even known it at the time. The beginning of the end. Yeah, um, I said the Giants too, and I just uh, you know for those two for those two Super Bowl appearances. And there's what struck me is how after '07. That's generally when a dynasty ends. That's when it's like, okay, it's never happening again. You guys are done. You had your moment, and now you're just sort of, you know, you had this big embarrassing loss. You're probably not getting back there again. And they did, and they lost to the Giants again. And sandwiched in between there was that awful uh, playoff game against Ray Rice and the Ravens and uh, the other awful game against the Jets where they lost uh, to uh, Rex and Mark Sanchez. So, like, you know, it had been a, it had been a rough stretch there. Yeah. You know, it had been a rough stretch of time and some really ugly losses in the postseason. And then you get back. And the Giants beat you again, and it was like Mario Manningham this time who was, who was ripping your heart out and Wes Welker dropping the ball. Yep. And, you know, sort of all these things kind of playing over and over. And at that point, it was like, okay, this is what the Patriots are now. Now they're this team that is, you know, it's like the Cowboys are now. They get there, but they can't win anymore. You know, that's sort of what they became. And then they still somehow came out of that and had another dynasty. And it like, is. That's unbelievable. It is, it, it is very strange because you think of. Let's put the shoe on the other foot. Some of the things we've seen from a Patriots perspective, they kind of ended the Seahawks, yep. right? They ended that, you know, the goal line play and then the Legion of Boom versus Wilson and Carroll, that whole world. They, yeah. they broke them. They clearly broke the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. 28 to three. This was an opportunity for the Patriots to break, but it was a delayed break. Like it took a long time before I think this really factored in. If anything, you're right. They had a second dynasty. They were kind of still scuffling around the Super Bowl, but... Mm -hmm. It was a different vibe. You have all these players, these Wes Welkers, these Randy Mosses, these Logan Mankins, who are part of this weird era that 
Wait, they don't have a ring? Yeah. How come they don't have a ring? Didn't win anything. Well, because they didn't win the Super Bowl. That's why they don't have a ring. That's why. It was a strange era. And then you just look at the pure numbers. If you take two Super Bowls from Eli Manning, you remove a Hall of Famer, correct? Yep. No shot in hell of getting in the Hall of Fame. No way. Roger that. And you add two more to Tom Brady. What are, what's that now? Seven plus two is nine? Yep. Bill Belichick now has eight? Yep. Although he'd say For, ten. Officially eight. Yeah, yeah he'd really, say ten. Ten rings, ten rings on ass. the boat. Yeah. No, we don't count that. You need a bigger boat. <laughs> Not the head coach. So just the history that changed, and you don't have these. Did you guys see the Pro Bowl when Eli was rapping about Brady or whatever, and I beat his I ass did. twice or whatever the end yeah. line of the rap was? It's like eight mile. Yeah. yeah. Well, not exactly. It was a little less uh, less good. Not as hard. Yeah, it wasn't as yeah. good. Um, but no, that was that was such an interesting story and game, and and Brewski putting it into perspective, and all those guys. It just that was history. That was and so I have always we've always had great debates over at Patriots.com of this, and I asked you, Ryan Garvin. Yes, sir. Would you give up the rest of Tom Brady's career as a Patriots fan? He gets into a car accident in March of 2008, never plays again for the undefeated season. Uh, see, you didn't like what I was willing to give up instead of Tom Brady. Yeah, we're not doing your stupid, I'll give you Celtics and every, Bruins. I would give up every no. Celtics championship Patriots. that they have ever won in order nope. for that perfect season. you got to um, give up Tom freaking Brady. <sighs> I'm going to say no, despite how sick I felt reliving that 2007 Super Bowl last night and, and the, the two-and-a-half-minute pass the, the, to David Tyree and losing my mind all over again at Rodney Harrison and Ellis Hobbs not being able to catch Plexico Burris in the, in, in the end zone. All of those things, and I still don't think I would give up what Tom Brady has meant in the back half of, of this Patriots dynasty and I thought they did a really neat thing at the end of episode four where it felt like everything was just as bad as it could be and we haven't even got to you know Brady missing a year Matt Cass and all that stuff but they're they're they basically show it's like no 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 things are going to continue and there's that smirking hooded Bill Belichick oh, yeah. and I'm like oh that's right I went from being like oh this is awesome undefeated the FU tour for Spygate to oh I feel sick to my stomach because they're gonna blow this undefeated season and then I got right back to the baseline of oh there is still so much more to come ending the Seahawks ending the Falcons beating the Rams all those things I. I could not in my right mind give up what Tom Brady was able to do in the back half of his career, proving a lot of people wrong and playing at a high level in his late 30s and 40s for an undefeated season. Every Celtics championship, no, no, you can have it, no, but not, not Tom Brady. That. You can't have Tom Brady. It's the Patriot Nation question only passionate Patriots fans can answer. And I do want to emphasize, in my opinion, they win that game and Brady retires or a car accident, whatever, whatever goes on. Mm -hmm. The Andrew Luck thing. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. He is. He's got four rings. He's never lost in the Super Bowl. He just finished a perfect undefeated season in which he broke the touchdown passing mark. He's no longer riding a defense. Nope. His offense went out and blew doors, was the greatest show on turf, the whole thing. He is the GOAT. He didn't need the rest to become the GOAT. He's the GOAT when they win that game. He right? would be. Absolutely. Also the greatest team of all time. Some people believe in any sport, yeah, which is funny. I don't understand. So you lose one game, and you went from the greatest of all time to no one talks about you at all. Yeah, What's up for talk show debate. What do you guys think? I'm with Ryan. Uh, I think that the second, I think that the second uh, dynasty was more would was more impressive than that season would have been if he had gone 19 and 0. And I know that's like a sort of weird thing to say, but like. You know, the Dolphins went 14-0 and or whatever with Worrell and Greasy, and, like, you know, that was great and everything, but no one has ever had that long of a stretch with three Super Bowls at the beginning of their career and then right. three at the end. So No one's ever done that. Can I ask you a quick question? I know we're up against it. Yes. You say that now. If I had asked you that like the devil visited you that day <laughs> before the game, 
you can win today. Yeah. You'll have the greatest of all time, Brady, but he's Or like done. after the game, they say you could go right back after the and, game and undo that and make it a win instead. Yeah, I right then. I punched a hole in my friend's kitchen uh, wall what an and punched through the, because uh, it was drywall, and I punched right through. I fixed it. I fixed it the next day. You're still an a-hole. I was the only Patriots fan in the play. There was like 20 people there. I was the only Patriots fan. Everyone was rooting against me, just like it said in the documentary, and I I walked into the kitchen, the and world. I and I raged, punched So that's even wall. better. Right after the game, the so devil I visits absolutely, you. Absolutely. 100%. I would have fixed the hole right then. I would have had the devil fix the hole. I would have gone with the Patriots. Because you don't season. know that... <laughs> What's coming is coming, right? Right. You just I would have wanted the away. instant gratification right then. No question. The about Matt it. Castle era would have begun if it was up to Christian Arcand. Yeah, we yeah. would have never seen Tom Brady again. That was twenty-five-year-old Arcand. Forty-two-year-old Arcand is uh, is okay with the two dynasties. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There's your phone number. We'll continue talking about the Patriots. We'll get back in uh, to some uh, current Patriots topics as well as continue to discuss episodes three and four of the dynasty. But when we come back, uh, we'll get to your phone calls. And the Bruins got a pity point in Calgary last night. That's next. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Type that into your app search. It's so dumb. Then download. My brain is melting. This is Jones and Mego on WEEI. What needed to change and what certainly did change over the next 40? Urgency and we needed to find our legs. I thought, uh, you know, the perfect example was I, I thought, you know, uh, Pav, I talked to him. I thought his legs were really heavy in the first period. And I, I you know, I moved him off the line. And uh, halfway through the period, he goes, I found my legs. So it was kind of uh, the feeling the team had. We got better throughout the game. We got a point. like to finish that off in overtime. Marshawn to Pasternak. Weger stumbles. Pasternak is saved by Markstrom. Two on one. Cadbury. That's how it ended last night up in Calgary. The Bruins fall to the Flames 3-2. They do get a pity point, however, as it was an overtime loss. That's a Jonesism. I can't even take credit for that. Uh, the pity point thing was uh, was all Jones back at our old job. But it is uh, the case now. And listen, the road point streak is a thing. They have uh, gotten the overtime in a lot of these games. But Andy Hart, they have lost uh, five of their last seven. And... I was encouraged by some of the wins. They had wins over uh, Edmonton, wins over Dallas, wins over Vancouver. Three very good West Coast teams. Yep. And a whole bunch of ugly losses sort of sandwiched in between there. That uh, uh, game against Washington where they get booed off the ice. That uh, the overtime loss in Tampa. They uh, lost to the Kings. They lost to the Kraken. And uh, last night they lose to the Calgary Flames. Nas Kadri with a goal and an assist. He had three assists in that game. They lost to uh, Calgary back on February 6th. He's a menace out there. And, you know, for the Bruins, listen, I know the trade deadline's coming up, and we've been talking a lot about what this team may need and what they may be looking for and uh, looking to try and do. But I also am sort of looking at this team and thinking, man, you know, for as, as strong as they looked early on in the first half and as much as I was sort of uh, on the on the bandwagon there, things have been unraveling lately. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of this team. I mean, that's the first sort of takeaway from the season. But in talking with Keith about this a lot as sort of we've ebbed and flowed with this, who are they, what mm-hmm. did we expect coming in, I feel like they're just finding their their level. And I think they're a decent team. Do I think they should have the best record in hockey? Probably not. I, I don't think they probably are that caliber of a team. Are they better than I expected? Absolutely. But we also, and correct me if I'm wrong if you didn't feel this way, I think the the narrative that people like to talk about was, well, they're not as good, but maybe they'll be a middling playoff team that then has a little bit more bite to it 
in the postseason. Okay. Like, oh, they'll win a round. Like, get out of the first round. And I absolutely still think they can be that. I absolutely still believe. Keith gave me one of those, uh, I'm a big fan of either ors or more likely playing that game where mm-hmm. you get two sort of polars and you have to pick one. You can't right. take, because the, the real answer is in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Are they more likely to get bounced in the first round or go to the Eastern Conference Finals? Bounced in the first round. See, I go the other way. Yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. I'd like to think that. I just, you know, it's it's hard for me to it's hard for me to get there. I don't know what the what the rest of this uh, stretch is going to look like. I mean, we're we're pretty close to the end. It's not like we're we got 14 games left, no, 20 something games left. Like there's there's maybe a third of the season to go here and I feel like since the All-Star break, they have been very uneven. They've just they've sure. not they've not been able to sort of get on track. And but you can win a series 4-3. You, you can, can be uneven. You can. And, right? You know. And didn't they lose a series last year in Game 7? Yes. Which we believe they mismanaged a lot of their roster, correct? So they yes. they misman- mismanaged it and lost. So don't mismanage it. Like, And you can play mediocre. No okay, no problem. No one's, Go well, get them. I, I don't think they will mismanage just don't it do what time. you did last year and you'll be better. Here's a clue. Just play Swayman. Just that, play Swayman. That's now listen. That's a tangible thing, and I think that would make a lot of sense. And listen, there's been a couple of playoff series here where they should have played Swayman and they didn't. They should have played him all the way back against the Islanders when Tuka's groin was ripped off yeah. his bone, and uh, he was there just right, waiting to play. And all the guys said, "No, no, no, it's got to be Tuka." Last year they should have played him. I mean, this is this is and getting I, ridiculous. With don't them. you think they're going to play him? I would think so. Okay. Yes. So does but that I make also, you feel better about my little either or? It does, but I'm not for guaranteed for sure that Swayman's the answer. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'd like to think that, but I don't know for sure that he's going to go out there and be nails in the playoffs. He wasn't exactly nails last year when they put him in for Allmark. No, so but that I mean, was weird. It was weird. But I, I just, want him going into that opening it's series. It's not like he was impressive. You know, it's not like they put him in there and he rose to the occasion. You know, so like but is that, he a good goalie? All. Is yes. he a good young goalie? Allmark's a good goalie. Sometimes. And Olmark was hurt uh, last year at the end of the season. So, right. I mean, that's a little bit different. And, and that was part of the mismanagement of the roster and, yeah. and Bergeron and various issues they went down that road. So that's why I actually have faith. Like, just don't screw it up. Just pick a goalie. I, I would prefer you pick Swayman. Mm-hmm. And don't Me do too. dumb things down the stretch that may hinder your ability to win an opening series. And then be Kevin Millar and be like, hey, you know what? We won one. Why can't we win two? Like, we're a pretty good hockey team. Did you see the standings? I know everybody didn't have expectations on us, but we were atop the standings. We proved over a totality of a lot of games we're a pretty good hockey team. Yeah, and they're still on top of the standings. They're tied with Vancouver right now. And they just had a good win two nights ago. But Florida's creeping up on them. The Rangers are creeping up on them. It's not going to be easy from here on out, I don't think. It's not supposed to be easy. And whatever they're doing, whatever they bet, it was easy for the beginning of the year. I mean, they were they were cruising yeah, for most of the year. And last year they cruised the entire regular season. So I mean, how'd that you know, work out for you? I'm just saying, like that's it. Like that was them cruising through the regular season, and they got bounced in the first round. They're having a rougher season this time, and what I'm supposed to expect they'll be better? Yes, their medal is tested. Okay, they are playoff proven. Let's just hope they don't get the Flames in the finals uh, because they have their number. Um, Actually, I hope they get the Flames in the finals. You, you know do? why? Nas Kadri can beat them in seven. Because it means they're in the freaking finals. <laughs> That's true. It's a good point. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, the Boston Celtics back in action. Uh, we saw them take down the Chicago Bulls last night. Jason Tatum had a lot to say after the game and really all, uh, all-star weekend. So we'll get into that, some of the Tatum discourse, and uh, the Celtics back in our lives right after this. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. 
Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The overall win streak is seven. The road win streak is seven. And the Celtics beat the Bulls again. 129 to 112 is your final from Chicago. At long last, the Celtics are back in our lives. They were out in Chicago last night putting the hurting on the Bulls, although that game wasn't uh, in the second half. It was. It was a big first quarter. Bulls roared back in the second, and then the Celtics sort of took it from there. Um, big game for Derek White. Nice game for Jason Tatum. Uh, nice game for us, the Jones and Mego show. We did a, a three-leg parlay on that game, and all three legs hit, so you're welcome if you uh, followed us, although I can't imagine why anybody would. <laughs> but we did hit last night, so there you go. You were due? Uh, we were definitely due. And, you know, it was one of those, like, if a million monkeys with a million typewriters all type, eventually they'll, We'll you get know, Shakespeare. We'll get Shakespeare. That was Shakespeare yeah, so that's last exactly night. that's exactly what happened. That's what you got last night. Anyway, Celtics back on track. Um, Jason Tatum was the topic of much uh, MVP discussion here over the past week or so, certainly over the uh, All-Star weekend. Stephen A. Smith's been talking about uh, him a lot. Uh, He's been addressing it a lot. Tatum has himself. We'll hear from him in just a second. Uh, Real quick, what do you think about Jason Tatum's MVP uh, aspirations this year? So I'm a bit biased here because I have $1,000 riding on it because I put my $25 Gronk bonus bet on FanDuel nice. on Jason Tatum plus 4000 to win the MVP. All right, I was going to say, he must have done that a while ago. Yeah, yeah. and uh, well, not that long ago. Only like 10 days ago, maybe, somewhere okay. in that range. Um, so I'm biased. I feel like that's moved a lot in the last week, though. Yeah, I think yeah. he's a legit candidate. And, you know, I know the Windhorse comments were some of the dumbest things I've ever heard by any sports analyst. Saying, Which one specifically now? <laughs> well, he said because he wasn't very good in the playoffs two years ago, mm-hmm. he isn't a great candidate to win the MVP this right. year, which is literally a, a season award. It's it's for this season. Yep. It's not a career achievement. It's not a certainly not a postseason award. Here's uh, Windhorse. We do have that. There's two things working against Tatum. You cracked yourself One up. is is that even though the MVP is supposed to be about this season, we know that it's not. It's often about the narrative. And he had a poor showing in the 2022 finals. He was dealing with a, with a wrist injury at the time, but the fact is they were ahead in the series. He had several bad games in a row, and they lost. Last year in the, in the Boston, uh, in, the, in the Heat series, he didn't perform great. 
Um, in Game 7, he had a miserable Game 7 when they needed him to deliver. He had an unbelievable Game 7 against the 76ers last year, 51 points in that one, jaw-dropping performance, but he has a couple of sort of red marks on his resume that people want to see. The other thing I'm going to say, and then I'll hand it over to you, Legs, is that it's very difficult for his case to improve. The Celtics have been in first place since November. What's he going to do between now and the end of the season? Get them in more first place? Okay, so a couple of things. Uh, Number one, there's a great example that he should know full well, completely blows up his point, and that's LeBron. LeBron was in the finals in 07. They lost to San Antonio, I want to say. And then two years later, he's the MVP on a team that still hadn't won yet. He didn't win until he went to Miami in 2012. So, like, that right there is a great example as to why that doesn't make any sense. And also... But it also just didn't make any sense on the surface. On the surface, I I credit you for doing a little research and work, but it's stupid no matter what. More first place? I agree that it's stupid anyway. Speaking of stupid. the, The main dumb thing about it is that... You know, you don't necessarily need to keep improving your thing. If your team continues to play well and you continue to play well, other guys may drop off. And there's also the politics of it, which I think he was trying to get at, but he didn't quite he didn't quite sum it up because I think politics wise, Jason Tatum's probably due. It's like his turn now for the MVP because that's how they do it. I mean, Joel yep. Embiid wasn't the best player last year. He shouldn't have won MVP last year. He did because it was his turn. Fatigue. It's Jason fatigue steps in on exactly. Jokic, right? Jokic was the best player. Jokic then fatigue. Giannis fatigue. I mean, it was you know two guys. It was one guy repeated, another guy repeated, and then it's Joel Embiid. They don't want to have these repeat guys every single year. They'd rather spread it out. And Tatum's a perfect perfectly good candidate for that right now. He's a better candidate than Gildas Alexander, I think. He's still too new. Yep. Uh, Luka Doncic's team isn't good enough, even though his numbers are better. But I think that's Tatum's best, his best argument, is that it's his turn and the politics of it are sort of hit because numbers-wise, a lot of guys have better numbers than him this year. And I think he is uh, proactively trying to win the award through his comments. Yes. I actually think some of these things about, you know, I got to win a title and... You know, yeah, I'm the best player, and I can be the face, and that he's he's reminding everyone the Celtics are good. We have good players. Porzingis is good. Drew Holiday's good. Derek White is good. I am the the main dog. Mm-hmm. I'm the lead dog on the Boston Celtics, which is something that some people questioned he didn't have in him to be that alpha lead right. dog and 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 all of that. So, and and I also so in Windhorse's world, if the Celtics go to the finals and beat Jokic. Then Tatum can win the regular season MVP next year? Yes. Is that how that works? <laughs> I guess. That is so Even though stupid. it doesn't apply to like the main guy that he was tasked with covering so, for almost his entire journalistic career until recently. And I know that there are <laughs> vagaries in MVP. Uh, Tatum talked about these at the All-Star break in that press conference. Like, there's no real criteria. You might look at it differently than I look at it. Right. Because I do believe the, the old argument, if you take Tatum off the Celtics, how far do they go? Yeah, probably the Eastern Conference Finals, I think they got a shot. I agree. You take Jokic off the Nuggets, how far do they go? Off Nowhere. a cliff. One no, and done, right. probably, yeah. So it's not even a debate. If that's your argument, then Jokic is the MVP. Absolutely. Because they're a really good team with him, and you think they're not a good team without him. Well, Sixers, too, and Embiid. I mean, that's an argument you can I make there the for sure. I think it's the same thing. Does, so does, I guess, to play devil's advocate, should Jason Tatum now suffer because the Celtics are a good team around him and no. he is sacrificed? If that's if that's how you define MVP, then yes. But I also think that there's a lot of different ways to do it. Best player on the best team is a common refrain, and Correct. he's clearly the best player on the best team. Yep. So I mean, it depends on what your what your definition is. But I think that he does check some of those boxes. He definitely checks the political box, and he also checks best player on best team. If you took him off the team, would the team fall apart like Jokic and Embiid and some of these other ones? Luca and uh, and Dallas and Gilgis Alexander, probably not. 
I'd say probably not. I think the Celtics are a strong enough team, but I also don't think it's necessarily fair to penalize Tatum for that. We, he also checks off the box that I think we all hope he checks off in terms of the pursuit of a title. Like, he's paid his dues. Now he's getting to the middle of his career. It's that time where he's supposed to break through and win a title, and he's probably ready for people to acknowledge his greatness through the MVP. Right. But I also think some of this is narratives, and I, I heard Scal talk about this a little bit with you guys. I think the best thing Jason Tatum can do is play in, in front of Doris Burke as many times as possible because she is his <laughs> biggest cheerleader. And she's an influential voice, right? Yeah, and definitely. And the more you hear her talking about how perfect a player Jason Tatum is and how great he is, that will influence people more so than some of the idiocy. I also don't know, is Windhorse just talking for himself or is he talking for fellow voters? Like, does he have a group of buddies and they always text I'm about... I'm sure, yeah. Because that would carry more value in my mind. If he's got guys... That's like, oh, my MVP text train here. Uh, you know, remember Tatum sucked two years ago in the playoffs. Tim, Zach Lowe, L- right. Ryan Russillo. But then know. at least it's legitimate. You legitimize National it by Legs. saying, you know, Legs. I was talking to other voters and they keep bringing up two years ago in the postseason. It's still stupid, but it might actually be a, a thing. It was a fair. I heard you bring up the point last night uh, with Keith. If, if your best argument is, well, it didn't work out in the playoffs two years ago, then you don't really have a good argument as to why Jason Tatum yeah. is not the MVP. He's yeah. the MVP. You but, just proved to me he's the MVP by trying with to failure <laughs> to prove he's not the MVP. Yeah, and what really needs Plus to happen, Plus, I want though, my 1000 bucks In the sense of the winning the championship thing, which Windhorse was getting to, too, Larry Bird won three straight MVPs. And he had multiple Hall of Famers on the team with him. Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, Dennis Johnson, Bill Walton. They were all MVPs. Yeah, not MVPs. Tom Brady? They were all uh, Hall of Fame players. You we know? just talked about Brady in a dynasty for an hour, and everybody likes to pretend like what his story was. Um, there were Hall of Famers, all pros, several littered throughout his career. Yeah. That's kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. Is there really a person where we can say, oh, no, he totally did it alone? Played no. by himself. And Jason Tatum, I mean, he's got good players around him. Is Jalen Brown a, Hall of, a future Hall of Famer? Yes. It's you the think NBA. So? Absolutely. Jalen Brown's going to be in the Hall of Absolutely. Fame? I don't know about that. But. Have you seen who's in the freaking Springfield Hall of Fame? I have. You might be in if you ever Arcade talked basketball. Has. I was there, yeah. I was, uh, well, so I used to go to the old one. At the old Hall of Fame, they had this thing at the end. When you got to the very end, I loved this. They put you in a video game. Where you went one on one with Bill Walton? Do you know? Is it either of you know what I'm talking about? No. Nope. Okay, so there's a new uh, Hall of Fame now. It's like about I don't know a quarter mile up the road from where the old one used to be. But in the old one, you'd go through the whole museum and you'd go all the way down. You'd come to the bottom and you'd get off at the very end. There was like a conveyor belt with baskets you could shoot on. And then you got at the end of the conveyor belt and you walked into this room and you went one-on-one with virtual Bill Walton, and you were there dribbling an invisible ball, and you had to shoot it over him. You could see on the screen what he was doing, and he would just reject your shots every single time. It was impossible. I have no idea how you could ever score in that game, but it was the most fun thing ever. Start talking to him about like mushrooms or butterflies right. Yeah, right? or the dead, and just distract him, and then you hit him with the oak. Give him dope. a cupcake. The whole thing seemed like something he came up with while on mushrooms. <laughs> like, you know, it, was, it did sort of make Let sense. me put away my bongos. I'm <laughs> stepping into the virtual world. Now that that, that was a Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame now, I like it. It's fine. Um, and they do have that whole court with the old peach baskets and stuff you can shoot on, which is cool. But uh, I, I don't really remember. Like, the very last room you go in where you can go through all the players, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of guys in that Hall of Fame. Sure, Jalen Brown, they're going to have to win for Jalen Brown to get in. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. You want to bet? Yeah, sure. I don't know. We might both be dead by the time it <laughs> comes yeah. an issue. Maybe. Uh, Porzingis, future Hall of Famer? Probably not. Uh, probably not. But if this team goes on a run... 
If they stay together and they go That's on a multi-year I mean, I'm saying run, all this assuming they don't become like a dynasty. If they right. become a dynasty, they'll all be in the Hall of Fame. You're probably yeah. right. I mean, Tatum's a lock, and I think Jalen Brown is well on his way with his all-star status, his all-NBA status, his contract, his and the the fact that he'll be Scottie Pippen, right? To the to the Tatum if this if even if there's just one title. Yeah. I mean, that's second entire- best player on the best team. Yeah. Uh, that's entirely possible. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Celtics are back, and uh, Jason Tatum has been getting a lot of MVP consideration. He had this to say after the game last night about what he could be doing. I'm human, right? Uh, it's a it's a process. I was first-team All-NBA last two years. I averaged 30. Like, the human side, like, yeah, you want to continue to average more every year. You see other guys putting up 30 plus a night you know you can do that Uh, but part of growing is understanding what we have in this window trying to maximize that and you know uplift the guys around me you know I think just took some time for me to understand like you know I know I can score 30 a night I know I, I did that but you know that's not necessarily what this team needs on a nightly basis so he could be scoring 30 a night if he wanted to. And he he's totally reminding you. He's reminding you Definitely voters. Definitely done that before. So I, I that, think... The team doesn't need me to do that. There's some truth to what he's saying, mm-hmm. right? Like, can we acknowledge there is some truth to that? Right. There's also he's some... He's not Luka in Dallas and they need him to score right. that much, right? Yeah. But he's reminding you if you needed to, me to do it, I would do it. I might do it the way I did it last night and have like three in the first quarter and a half <laughs> or whatever the hell it was right. and then get hot. The consistency in his game is still a little bit questionable. Um... But I, I think he's reminding people, it, it's a little, again, like the subjugation of egos. Yep. And like, what, what was what was Jalen's word? Sacrificed? Last we, year, We've yeah. all sacrificed. Mm-hmm. I think this is Tatum's version of saying we've sac- I think that was Jalen Brown saying, I could be better somewhere else. Right. I could put up better numbers. Yes, I deserve this huge contract that people are going to hem and haw about. And this is Tatum saying... Yeah, I could score 30. You've seen me score 30. Right. If you want me to score 30, I'll do that. But I'd rather win a title and you still acknowledge me as MVP at 27 and change. Then we can all be happy. Absolutely. You're right about that. And last year, Brown did go on a little media blitz. Remember, he did the interview yeah. with the New York Times and Vanity Fair and all these other uh, magazines talking about why he should be all NBA. Not Vanity Fair. It was something else. I forget what it was. But he did a bunch of interviews, and he was going on and on about why he should be all NBA. So you get the that's, Super Max. Yes, hustler, exactly. Yes. That's, that's right. still a thing? <laughs> Probably not. I don't not. know that it's not. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, that was that was a real thing that happened, and he was trying to get all NBA so he get the Super Max. Right. Jason Tatum wants to be MVP. He's doing the same kind of media blitz right now. It's and it clear works. as day. It works. It does. I mean, yeah. Mark is smart. I was we just saw the about blitz. to bring that up. Absolutely. And that was like a team machination. Yeah. Too. Like the Celtics. And you know what? Maybe that's what the Celtics need to do is just start aggressively campaigning in the last you know month and a half of the season. Run spots. Forget like, oh, it takes all of us and showing like Delano Banton and Nemeish Kata. Like forget those guys. Jason Tatum, MVP. That is your campaign now. And they may have actually hurt his status with the campaign they were on, which was they wanted Derek White to be an all-star. Because if you're saying all five of your starters are really all-star caliber... Then you're not an MVP, right? That devalues Jason Tatum. So let's put that in the rearview mirror. Let's have a new campaign. And the new campaign is like Tatum's the guy. Like, I don't know, have Abby ask all the other players about (laughs) how important Tatum is every game, all those different things. Because all of that matters. Because locally, if you remember... So Marcus Smart wins it, the narrative, the talk, got him the award. Locally... We were talking about 
Isn't Rob Williams more important? Like, huh? He's not even the best defensive player on his team, and he's mm-hmm. going to win the uh, defensive player of the year. So I may have said that. Yeah. These narratives matter. This ta- these talking points, and we all do it. You see something far away. We don't know all the intimate details. You just because if it's just on the best player, in my opinion, Jokic wins it. He's yep. the most important player, mm-hmm. and he's the best player. We don't see him all the time because it's out in Denver, and we're bo- you know go to bed and mm-hmm. all that stuff. If it's just the best player, it's Jokic. Yeah. I agree. I think Jokic is uh, the most complete player and the best player in the league. But I think the narrative, I think Scal said this to you guys, he thinks the narrative for Tatum is going to take off. I believe. He I think said it that. already is taking off. That's I what I mean. It's taking off right now, and this media blitz is as transparent as a That's pair cool. of fanatics uh, baseball pants. Uh, so there you go. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. We'll get to your phone calls, and uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday with those two carpetbaggers, Jones and Mego, who didn't understand. Yeah, where uh, are they? But I think the Celtics can save the city. I think the Celtics can save the Red Sox and the Patriots and everybody else. They just got to win. I'll uh, get into all that right after Ryan Garvin tells you what's trending. Get in on the discussion. All topics we've covered here in the first hour Longer and a half guys. plus. Yes, what uh, is the single seat like? Well, uh, women lowering their standards. Uh, all these <laughs> things that we've discussed. Jones and Mego on WEEI. All right, despite the fact that I said the Celtics are the best team earlier, I'm going with the Denver Nuggets, and here's why. I think their best basketball is coming, and I think by the time we get to the playoffs, they're going to remind people of how difficult it's going to be to beat this team. Uh, Their core continuity and the fact that they went through it together, they've been through every pressure situation imaginable, and there's just no matchup for that player. So I'm I'm still going to put Denver until they they prove me wrong. I think they're number one. Number two is Boston, the team I just said. Everything's in place. This is the best team. Jason Tatum has had in the era that he has been with the Boston Celtics. Everything should be in place. This is the most complete starting lineup in basketball. Uh, I don't necessarily think they're the deepest team, but they're so versatile with their starting five that in a lot of ways that gives you a second unit because of the different positions that those guys can play. So I put Boston two right. All right, that was uh, Legs himself, Tim Legler. Tell you what, Legler and Windhorse got some opinions man <laughs> they got some Celtics opinions that are just uh, hard to really hard to really follow like that was a hard thing to follow uh with the Celtics but I want to uh pivot away from that a little bit because while I think the Celtics are the best team in the NBA I think it's hard to argue that um can they have a bigger effect than just winning a championship can they have an influence over some of the other teams in the city some of the other ownership groups in the city can Wick Grosbeck's approach which has been to dump resources and money and draft and everything into this uh, into this roster, which is not just him. I mean, you know, Brad Stevens is, is doing a lot of it and has maneuvered through a lot of this, but he's done it with a lot of resources. He's had a lot of resources at his disposal to give uh, contract extensions out to Drew Holiday and Chris Porzingis and the Supermax for Jalen Brown and sort of everything else. That's all been allowed to happen by Wick Grosbeck. So my question is, and I asked this yesterday, and just for the record, I don't I don't do this often. But whenever I'm not here, Jones and Me- Jones and Mego are like Costanza and Elaine and I'm Jerry and they just talk about me the whole time. When I'm not and Ryan knows this, you know I'm not lying. When I'm not here, how much do those two talk about me when I'm not here? I mean, I'm sure you I mean, you're you're the with. I mean, it's it's the whole show. Of course we're going to talk about you at some point to let the audience know, "Hey, where's Christian Arcana?" And mm-hmm. they're just it, telling, go, it goes beyond that. They're just telling the audience where you know you might be, or you know if it's not snowing, you know if you're I was not. Say, I heard work. a snow day reference a couple times. Was I not on the air that day? I, I mean, you was were. I not, was I not on the air that day? No, you were on the air. I was, and I did not. I was not the one with the bad forecast. Okay, that was Chris Curtis at the Weei Weather Center. 
So blame him. You chickened out over a quarter inch of snow. It's, it lives on I don't forever. think it was even that much. Weren't you <laughs> ill at some point, too? Was yes, I had, I had laryngitis for a couple of days, and I came back in even though it wasn't healed all the way I think yet. they made fun of you for that, too. They certainly did. So that's why I don't feel bad about what I'm about to say, Ooh. which is that neither one of them two know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to this topic. I said that, you know, it could be a chance for the Celtics to make this a basketball city again like it was in the 80s, and Jones is like, no, nah, it was a Red Sox town back in the 80s. Trouble is his best, you know. I was, thank you. I was, I was alive and I was in Boston. I was very close to the Garden in the 80s. It was a Celtics town in the 80s. It was all about the Celtics in the 80s, in the city anyway. And then in the, uh, in the later years, in 2001 to like 04, when it was the Patriots and the Red Sox starting to win, and the other teams all started going all in with their rosters, that was a domino effect. That's a real thing. I mean, that's, that's documented. And here's Mego, who was like 11 years old living in Maryland at the time, being Steve like, ah. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Steve Pagliuccio. We're can't, talking to Steve Pagliuccio? Can't even pronounce the owner of the team's name. All uh, right, Steve Pagliuccio? Yeah, exactly. And she's here talking about, I don't know about that. I don't think so. I mean, that's not like it happened the first time. That's exactly what happened the first time. Steve Pagliuccio was just on with us. Steve Palucha and uh, Wyke Grousebeck and the rest of the Celtics ownership group has a chance to do something here that has already happened, okay? That's the thing. This has already happened. When uh, Kraft and Henry started winning, Grosbeck and everybody else all started uh, adjusting their approach and going all out for championships, and they've talked about this. Danny Ainge said as much. He was like the Celtics, and not the Celtics, the Red Sox and the Patriots set a standard for the city, and we felt like we had to match that, and I wanted to do something big, and so I went out and I made the big uh, Kevin Garnett trade and Ray Allen, and we put this whole thing together, and we won a championship too. And then the Bruins did a little bit later on, not the same way, but, you know, it was all sort of happening together, and I think that there was an effect that went around uh, the whole city with these three different teams. Four, really, if you want to count the Bruins, because they did spend. It's a little bit uh, tougher of a salary cap in hockey, I think, than the other sports. But still, they were up there spending to the cap. The Bruins and generally keeping guys in, around. You're not crying for the Bruins to do anything at the trade deadline over the last few years because Don Sweeney has invested resources into making the team competitive yes, in the playoffs. Absolutely. The Red Sox were spending. The Patriots were winning. Like all of this was happening, and there was a symbiotic relationship. If the Celtics win a championship. The way that Wick Grosbeck is uh, is handling this team and the way he's uh, put so many resources into it. The Celtics right now are fifth in payroll. Next year, they're slated to be number one, and I think they'll probably be number one for a while, depending on what some of these other teams do. Other teams may outspend them, but right now, they're in the top five and will be number one probably for a while. Could that, Andy Hart, have the same sort of effect that we saw. This is the longest question ever. From 2001. I just needed Next a, segment, we'll get to the I answer. I needed a chance to yell and scream at Jones for a second. I did, I did, I'm did. i owed that, I think. Um, Don't read the text line, by the way. It doesn't matter. They support, no, they're supporting oh, you. Oh, they are? Okay, good. It might set you for it. It definitely was a Celtics town in the 80s. I know it was. I don't have the answer to that. I was six, seven, eight in that range there. I was there. young, too, but still. And the Celtics were winning. And the Red Sox were one strike away. Like right. Those were the two sort of narratives with them. It's it's whether the win is more valuable than the chase, because it was a Red Sox chase forever, right? Definitely. Every year it just ticked off. One more year they've mm-hmm. been since. But And then there was the 90s where nobody won anything. So well, yeah. The, the 80s, 90s were, the 80s were extra yes. romanticized That's for that reason. That's because Parcells was going to the Jets. <laughs> if he had true. just focused on the game. Had a title. That's a good point. Um, I think the Bruins were in like a cup final in 1990, but either way, uh, can the Celtics shame the other owners into into running their team the right so way? So is it the other owners or is it just the Red Sox you're talking to? Because I think the Red Sox, and to a lesser extent, the Patriots. The Patriots haven't spent in a decade. Gerard Mayo said, burn some cash on this radio station. He did. So 
So are they going to do it? Or I mean, now, they, they have to do it. They have a hundred million. Devil's advocate is here. the Sox said they were going full throttle. True, so, like it's sort of similar. And then sure they well, did. that wasn't. Are they, how's that said. going? <laughs> if uh, if Gerard May flooring it in neutral. If Gerard Mayo comes back in May and says, "Oh well, I I could have probably put that more art." There was an artful. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really mean spend money. Right. I meant we would manage money. No, if they do that, like you're right. But I think we fully expect. And there's also the aspect of, fair or not, we handle Robert Kraft differently. A, because of the victories. B, yep. because of the, he's one of us, the metal bleachers at Foxborough Stadium story that he loves mm-hmm. to wedge into every comment he's right. ever made and remind us that he's he's a local guy made good kind of thing. I peed in that trough like everybody else. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and I think he gets some benefit of the doubt because of that on some level. Um, More so than Jacobs and Henry, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, because yeah, they're I not. Because they're they're just not. Wick's like, a local guy. Businessmen, yes. Yeah. And I think that helps them. But what helps all of them more than anything is just the simple: we want talent. And you know that whether it's spend talent or whether it's Danny Ainge, just I don't know, draft Jalen Brown and then draft Jason Tatum, and huh, we got pillars, and now we can build around pillars. Like this is, uh, as Theo would say, another local son. Yep. Multifactorial, if you remember the word he liked to use. <laughs> no, but okay. Multifact. He was big on multifactorial. That doesn't sound like an actual word. Multifactorial. I've never checked it. He said it. it I just assume. Seem like a word. I don't think he made word. it a word in in his little world of Red Sox baseball and geeking up things. It has no. Nah, it's totally a word. Yeah, well, that was a Theo word. <laughs> sound like a word. But I don't know that the need is there. It, the The Patriots have sucked. Have they tried to suck? I mean, hell. Your guy, Tom Curran. Mm-hmm. You know, when do you guys talk to him? Once a week. Every Thursday. Yep. Pretty sure somewhere around August and September, he was predicting like twelve wins. I definitely put the over nine the and wins, a half wins. The wins were everywhere. Tom, Tom Curran. Yes, yeah, everywhere. The wins were everywhere. Except they didn't come from anywhere. No. <laughs> so they they were trying. They were even getting people to buy into the idea. Uh, Juju's better than than Jacoby Myers. Right. You know who thought that? Mike Cadlick, weei.com. You know who told him that was stupid? Andy Hart, weei.com. You know who else Mike Cadlick liked? Mike Gasicki. Mike Gasicki's going to be a unicorn. Mm -hmm. People were betting me he was going to have a dozen touchdowns. So even though it feels like it's been a while since the Patriots invested or were good, last summer people thought they were invested and might be decent. Some people thought Johnny Smith was going to be really good, too. I remember. That's true. And that was spent. What's that? Three years ago now? Was yes, four but years that ago was now? in a spree where they assigned a bunch of other players. It wasn't like you know what I mean. Like they had other guys that year that they overspent on. Smith was one of them, and that was a bad one. But they got Henry that year. They got Bourne that year. They got Judon that year. It wasn't all bad. But the Red Sox haven't spent. The Red Sox haven't spent a dime. And they, don't, they don't seem to be trying. Yeah. All we talk about is well, they're going to trade this guy away. They're going to trade this guy away. Ooh, they added this guy in a value deal. He might pitch uh, by September, and then he might be back next year. Like. They are the bargain basement embarrassment in this city. They are. So if any, if this and I don't is going to work, care that they are either. Which is funny because yeah. I don't know if this matters or not. If this is actually a thing, the Red Sox are actually in the city, just like the Celtics are actually in the city. Mm-hmm. Like Gillette is off on its own little island down there. True. Whereas in the city of Boston, you have TD Garden, where the Celtics are running it like we would want to run it, mm-hmm. like Mark Cuban or whatever. Yeah, I got money. Steve Cohen with the Mets. I got money. I'm spending money. Dave Dombrowski with the Red Sox. Right. Yeah. Like, like you want it to be run. And yet the Red Sox are doing the exact opposite. They're trying to, 
I guess, Billy Bean it and find market inefficiencies and value. I don't even know what they're doing. I'll be honest. I really have no idea what they're doing. I don't either. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's much of a of a plan or nope. really any sort of initiative other than this is our budget and stay within the budget and don't go over it. doesn't matter what you do. But that's not modern life. No. Right? It's not baseball. You know? None like, of us lives that way. No. Do you buy a car when you have $42,000 cash to go to the lot and hand it to the guy and get I a car? Do not. No. Do you buy a house Never when you have seven hundred credit? <laughs> do you buy a house when you have seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in your pocket and can just go buy a house? No. You know how we all buy houses and cars? We pay for this little piece of them yep. a lot of million times. Like budgets, that's just and just football, like the salary cap. Like you you you're paying for the future. You're hoping. You're so yes. What was the question? The question was, can the Celtics he save the other He had a rant to lead into the question. Yes. I had a rant that I don't know if I answered the question. Can the like Celtics save the city? Rants. Of can the Celtics save the city? See, I think you're just saying, can the Celtics save the Red Sox? I'm going to change the question. Okay, fair enough. And I'm going to say no. I mean, the Patriots need to be saved right now, too. So you Yeah, know. but they're trying to save themselves. We'll see if they are. No, I think they absolutely are. Okay. They may fail miserably. I think there's a decent chance they stink next year. Your co-host, the one thing he's ever decided to be optimistic <laughs> about is the one thing that has no shot in hell of happening. Agreed. Them making the playoffs. Yeah. No chance. There is no chance they have a winning record. There's no chance they go to the playoffs. But... I think they're trying. He thinks they're going to the playoffs, but he also has no faith in Gerard Mayo to get them there. Right. So it's a complicated. How is that possible? It's a complicated take. Jones <laughs> likes Theo too. It's not all. He does. No, low. he's into Theo. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's hot for Theo. But Theo's. I mean, listen. Theo. I don't, I don't buy into that Theo's going to do anything at all. Yeah. What's Theo going to do? Tell Nothing. him to spend. Who's not telling them to spend? Who's get not Pearl begging Jam John Henry to spend right Fenway. now? You know, like Dustin Pedroia's FaceTime, begging him to spend. Theo Epstein's going to do it, and they're going to be like, okay, Theo, yeah, you got it, buddy. Like, thanks for the suggestion. Like, everybody in the world knows what they need to do. I think the only way to really get through to him is to shame him by having the other teams uh, blow past him here. I think and that maybe, that's one way of doing and it. And that may be true, and I think that has to be by, we already know that the Garden is Every exciting, everybody wants to be there. Yeah. It's, it's the cool place to be. Secondary market, tickets are through the roof right And now. then if you, which counter to that is Gillette Stadium. Right. Everybody knew it was Bill Belichick's last game, and I know it snowed, but there was like 30,000 people there. No one give a rat's ass. You could buy tickets yeah. last minute the for nothing. The boxes weren't even full. No, there was there was nobody there. <laughs> and you were seeing history. Yeah. You, you kind of knew that was Bill's last game, mm-hmm. and you didn't care enough to get out and, I don't know, put some gloves on and go to a game. So you really didn't care. I think that could be the only game I went to all season was that one game. Oh, you went? Yeah, I went. So you saw history. I was up in the in the suite though. I wasn't I wasn't out there with the mucky. Was it with a common man? No way, this guy. Not me. This is the one time I've been up there. So the, the main idea is are are the, chicken fingers? Uh, can the Celtics bully? That's what it feels like. Bully, shame. Not like oh, can they save this city? Can their success put pressure on Robert Kraft and the Jacobs and 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 John Henry? And it just feels like at least with the Red Sox, like. Like, as a Red Sox fan, I feel like I am inconveniencing John Henry. Like, my desire to be like, oh, you can't yeah. spend $5 million on Tim Anderson, who's just a name and a small number that I'm just pulling out of thin air. But the idea of, you guys don't want to do anything. You are totally, and that's, to kind of go back to Arcan's main idea, the 2021 Red Sox playoff run was a party every night in late September and October. But I also think it's like one of the worst things that could have happened to this iteration of the Red Sox yep. because it painted this this false uh illusion yeah. false illusion is redundant but the illusion that oh no we're really good we're building something like no you actually had a lot of of work to do and i think at that point in the dodgers parade which this show lived in real time and the blue jays fans taking over and their national holidays in fenway i just think john henry looks and goes listen ticket prices are ticket prices so 
I don't really care if Red Sox fans are coming to these games or not. People are still going to come and experience the Fenway experience. I don't think there is any amount of championships that the Celtics can win that is going to get this Red Sox ownership group to have an about face going into the real spring training. Well, how do you hurt the bottom line? Because I agree with you on the the Fenway experience and some of the Fenway experiences, tourists and other fans, and those tickets will keep getting sold. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a floor to how low the attendance at Fenway can go just because of that. Right. But are there the ancillary dollars of, do they care that, huh, did you guys notice jersey sales are down 272% because nobody wants to wear a Red Sox mm-hmm. it jersey? Could, I mean, that it's a possibility, but I just think that because of what Fenway is and, and it's this tourist destination that you're still going to have droves of families, uh, people from out of town, like way out of town planning. You know, we're going all these games and my favorite baseball team is going to be in Boston and Boston's really nice in the summer. So therefore I'm going to go and I'm going to spend a lot of money to make sure that my family has a good time. I couldn't tell you who's on the team right now, but the point is I am experiencing Fenway and you, I don't think you get the same thing in like Kansas city, definitely not Oakland or these other like oh, markets no. where people don't go to games. There's no like, you know that museum factor, nostalgia factor that that Fenway presents. I just I don't think that there is going to be anything right now that is going to make John Henry go, "Wow, you know what? I have been approaching this in the complete wrong way." I think you might be right about that, Ryan. I think he may be too far away from caring about any of this. To, just the to idea be that he's he is down yeah. at spring training. Hey, John, do you have time to talk about the team? Ha! <laughs> no, nope. And he just keeps walking. And didn't he walking. look like a guy who didn't have a care in the world? He could like that give struck a rat's me. Yeah. ass You're right. Entire they're probably fan base hates their, you. Their PGA deal that yeah. night, you know. Like, but he didn't they're care. They're still making no. money. Your your current players hate you and how you do business. Your former players hate you mm-hmm. and how you do business. Your manager fans doesn't hate want to you. be there. Yeah. Your manager could not have asked out more loudly immediately upon arrival at spring training, and yet you're just like, like just a wa- not yeah. a care in the world, just strutting around. Is that oblivious or yeah. is that? I don't even know what it's, that is. It, it's idgaff. It's is it gaff. Yeah. I don't give an F as far as where we are right now. Because he I ran think, the numbers and the numbers are still fine. I think the Jacobs are totally content to just let Cam Neely and Don Sweeney do whatever they want with the team until it just becomes unfeasible. And I do think that as of right now, Robert Kraft is probably saying, you know what, we I we need to do right by this team. As far as spending goes, who knows? Maybe burn some cash turns into full throttle right now. But at least with the Red Sox, I have a tangible I have a team. I have a roster. I have a twenty six man roster. I have a forty man roster where I can look at and go, I don't know who ninety percent of these people are. You're just hoping and praying that this is all gonna work out and this open competition is all gonna work out. I have one team right now that is gone, oh, the Celtics are doing what? And they're having all this success. Eh, that's great. I got golf. I got hockey. I got racing. I'm fine. I got soccer. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Nick is in New Hampshire with a thought on the Celtics. Hi, Nick. Hey, uh, back to the Celtics for a second. You know, my problem with Tatum and Brown is, in my opinion, they're not even superstars. They're stars. Jason Tatum's not not a superstar? Until they're not superstars until they win a championship. And to do that, they have to play in the clutch in the playoffs, and they keep failing us there, not to mention Brown can't hit a free throw, which is beyond me. I'm 72, and I can hit 4 out of 10. Good for you. Uh, Nick, was Charles Barkley a superstar? Well, I mean, Yeah, he was. He was. Okay, he never won a championship either. I mean, so, there's a I million mean, of those. Dan Marino? <laughs> he still does isotoner commercials, Dan Marino, 30 years later. Yeah. 
I mean, Jason Tatum superstar. is uh, first superstars all NBA last year, and he's a superstar in the league for sure. Jalen Brown, I'll listen to that argument. Jalen Brown, is he a superstar? I'm not sure. Has anyone is. called him a superstar? Um, I think you have to be on some level of superstardom to get a max contract, don't you? Oh, I don't, not in the NBA. Yeah. NBA contracts work when there is a max, they ask for it, and they get it. Well, they get, it, his if, was they get it if they're good enough. You know, not everyone no. is going to ask for it gets one. You have, have to be, you have to be all NBA to get it. I mean, no, it's no, not, you the know, new a, max, but I'm talking about all along. The NBA, when they went to this modern style of contract, okay, with, sure. everybody gets them. And then it, later, they you you trade your guy that you regret giving a contract to for my guy that I regret. Right. And we try it again. And we Chris keep Paul and Russell Westbrook. Yes, it happens a million times. Yeah, there's no such thing as an untradeable contract in right. the NBA. That's for sure. Uh, Jason the, Tatum, by the way, number two in jersey sales in the NBA behind Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah. And in won. front of LeBron and Giannis and all your other favorite basketball Well, but there's also... The guys you just listed aren't superstars. They're all-time greats. They're legends. They're whatever. What's Victor Wembanyama? He's number four. Okay. What's Tyrese Maxey's number nine? But you you have Tatum between LeBron Steph and Curry. Curry. LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, like those guys are generational, all-time great, whatever, you know, top ten players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tatum's not that. If that's what the caller's saying, then yeah, he's not that. That's fine. But he's a superstar. Yeah. He's absolutely a superstar. I mean... I don't know what his definition was, and I also enjoyed the fact that, did you see him slip in? I'm 70 and I can hit 4 out of 10, which isn't great, but no, it, I, isn't. it was realistic. Yeah. I loved that he didn't say I can hit 8 out of 10 or something, because right. we, would, we wouldn't have believed it. 4 out of 10, that's like uh, it's like Shaq. I actually <laughs> think he can hit 4 out of 10. I give him a chance. It's like That I believe might him. be real. He sounded like he's got a little vim and vigor to him. Yeah, yeah, 4 out of 10, I bet he could do that. But Foxy. I'm the biggest Jalen Brown. Why would you call in a lie, you know? <laughs> I think people do all lie time. about a forty percent free throw percentage. There's a lot of guys on this show, these shows that lie. I've heard a lot of calls. I've that never, lie. I've never lied before. Uh, never, you know? not once. I never have. I've never lied on the air. Not one time. I don't think I have either. Actually. Everything I've said has been absolutely it. true. I've or said, you believe? I've it. told a lot of stories about myself on the air. Every single one of them has been true. I'm an open book, uh, and I'm an open book that says I love Jason. I mean uh, Jalen Brown, and I've never called him a superstar. And I don't think he's treated that way. No one treats him like a superstar. He's no. always treated as second fiddle yep. to Jason Tatum. And he signed up for, you know, next seven years of right. that. So and, like, uh, he doesn't have a Jordan shoe. He doesn't have those flaming hot chips or whatever. Like No, he does have seven oos uh, or whatever it is, the juice. <laughs> seven yeah, but that's seven his. That's, that's right. his. That's his thing. That's but, what like, I mean. Like, he Nike does have it. didn't bend over. I mean, Jason Tatum, from my observation, Jason Tatum is taking over for Kyrie in the most popular shoe in sort of the second-tier price market, they mm-hmm. have filled Kyrie with Tatum. He is a star. Yeah. Like, they have decided he's a star, just like Lays has and all these other Subway. Is Jalen Brown in Subway? Uh, No. Jason Tatum's in Subway with who? Draymond Steph Curry, Green. Tom Brady. Like, Charles Barkley. Stars, correct? <laughs> yeah. He's oh, rubbing yeah. elbows with stars. Jalen Brown doesn't rub. When does Jalen Brown rubbing elbow with stars other than, like, the All-Star game All-Star weekend, things of yeah. that? Come on, he he dapped up Mac McClung and he the, was also the, hanging out with Kanye and uh, and Kyrie too, right? They were all working out like yeah. two. Remember when he was with uh, Kanye's? Uh, yeah. I don't like talking uh, about that. Well, I'm just saying, like His he was rubbing agency. elbows with famous people at that time when he was yes. with the Kanye Donda agency or whatever it was. Mego shamed him into leaving. Eh? Right, six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. We'll continue with your Celtics phone calls and Red Sox suggestions next. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Tacovas is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovas. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. Jones and Mego on WEEI. Like, everybody wants to sign this guy, but it's this weird game of Scott Boris and fill-in-the-blank Major League Baseball team game of chicken. Yeah, and I think a lot of teams around the league are doing that, but if you're the Red Sox, you can't wait for that. I don't, I don't think you can wait for that. I don't think you can wait for him to settle on a one-year deal with options or a two-year deal with options. For example, if it's a one-year deal with options, I'm Jordan Montgomery. Forget about winning and losing. I want to go to a team, if I'm Montgomery, that has gold-glove defense in my infield if I needed like a so-called pillow contract, I need all my infielders to have great range and make the plays. I'm not a big strikeout guy, so I need to make sure I go to a team where that 3-7 ERA stays there. If I go to a team that doesn't have great range, that doesn't make plays in the infield, and that ERA shoots the 4-3, I'm not going to have success next year in the free agent market. The lower the asking price goes in years, then it turns into, then I, I think you're out. So Lou and Christian talking about Jordan Montgomery. What's a pillow contract? Yeah, what is a pillow contract? Something kind of soft and squishy you can lay down on at night. Right. Sleep well. One of those. Glad to know it wasn't a dumb question because the three people in this room didn't know it. I didn't really know. My answer? Hey, Lou, speak English. Hey, you know, pillow contract. (laughs) He threw it out there like it was. Like, so, yeah, you know, like a pillow contract. Uh, Sean McAdam wrote this today on Mass Live. He said, as a matter of course, an industry source said the Red Sox have maintained contact with Montgomery's agent, Scott Boris. But even this late in the process, Montgomery's asking price has not dropped to the point where the Red Sox could fit him into their budget, which has been in place 
for some time. Oh, we know. We know it's been in place for we're, some time. We're aware of the uh, budgetary restraints. So I believe Brad Foe threw out a number, and I don't know if it was just like a, ha, throw it out there. Maybe it was a pillow contract. Mm-hmm. Don't know. <laughs> um, I think he said something like seven and 200. Ooh. Seven and 200. I have no interest in that. Okay. At this point, it feels like that would be a reactionary um, move based on the fact that your stud player was bitching. And you're like, I'll show them. Well, I'll sign somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want that because you know what that feels like it would do? Blow up and then hamstring them moving forward. And they would point to that as a reason why they can't spend and they should have stuck to their original plan of waiting for the young guys that are in the minor leagues and developing and drafting and all that. All right. Well, I'd rather that than not do anything. Honestly, oh, I would. At this I don't point, care. I'd rather nothing. I'd rather they nope. do that than not do anything. I Suck. think that at least shows we're not completely uh, checked out on this team and we're willing to spend some kind of money. They're $31 million below the luxury tax threshold. Seven and two hundred to get you twenty eight. You still got three million dollars after that, which isn't to say that's a lot of money, but you can definitely afford it, and you can even afford another guy if you want to uh, dip into it a little bit. But do you want it in year three and year four when now you're supposedly figuring out who you are and you're trying to augment the young players that are? I'd rather. Do they- I want Jordan Montgomery? Yes. I'd like yeah, him here I, when those young guys come up to have a pitching rotation. That's because none of these guys coming up are pitchers. You know, we're talking about a bunch of position players. So is he an ace? You need to have. Is he an ace on this team? Yes. He'll be the <laughs> no, ace no, no, this no, no, team? no, no, sure. no. I didn't say that. You'd be an ace on this team. <laughs> that's right. And wiffle ball. Is he an ace on his own? Probably not. No. Which is why I want Snell too. Snell's an ace. Uh, okay. So now you're on Snell my and side. Montgomery. That's that. If you announce today, you got a stew going. A hundred percent. You think there's any shot in Hades that they suddenly say, oh, by the way, we forgot to tell everybody, we actually signed Montgomery and Snell. No. No chance. No way. So if you're not going to go in. The old Red Sox would have. Yes, these aren't the old Red Sox. So I would actually in some weird way maybe have um, some some faith in their conviction to say, nope, we're doing it our way. We're excited about young players. We're going to do this. We're, whatever the plan is, although I do, again, the plan feels a little hazy it is hazy not sure exactly and but you can have you can like your young players and still spend on pitching that's what Dombrowski did and they won they had the best season they ever had but where that's are their exactly young players they they're all gone no 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 but in they're los y- angeles yeah. uh, and their new San young Diego. players are in portland in double a yeah so they're various ends of the coast not in boston i could understand like if they looked if the red sox looked at how the houston astros built their organization where they drafted really well and they extended the guys who were important to them and maybe let you know your george springers of the world walk because they know that they have a kyle tucker coming up i can understand that and the red sox kind of did that where they had guys like benintendi mookie Betts, zaner bogarts all these guys coming up rafael devers but then where they went wrong is they just said well we don't believe in the market and therefore we're not going to pay these guys anymore because we don't think they're worth what they're asking for and just completely missing the market. Now you're in this weird place where they're not spending on anything and the pipeline looks so bleak. Like I'm thinking like, forget 2025, 2026 maybe is when you start to see some of these kids pan out. I don't even know. I want to wait till then, but I don't even like, and wait for what? Wait till then to spend money on pitching. No, but I'm, I'm not that excited about the young talent. It's not I, that exciting. It's tough to be. <laughs> I mean, Cass, it's very Cass is, I think Cassis is someone you can be excited about. Bayo to a lesser extent, maybe. Maybe. But Cassis is a guy. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for what Cass is going to do fine. this year. Uh, but that's it. Is he better than Betts? Oh, no. Okay. He's so not like, Mookie Betts. But, I mean, but that's what they're replacing. Betts? They're replacing. He's better than Ben Attendee. Sure. Okay. You so know? you pick and choose which, you know, where We're we slot him in. It's a tennis I mean, yeah. ladder. Sure. But, like, Mayer, Meyer, Mayer, however the hell you say it, I still haven't really totally nailed Marcello. that. Marcelo. Marcelo. Um feels like the shine is already off him and i haven't seen him play yet 
who is dealing. He was coming back from an injury. I, I look. I understand that, but I think it's all very valid points. If you're going to take the approach, like Baltimore had to build the team the way they built it because their owners refused to spend money, and then when they sold the team, it was like hallelujah, finally, like. Now we have something to look forward to as yeah. far as investing in this team. If you're going to take that approach, you have to be damn good at at analyzing talent. And this team, for whatever reason, has just not been able to do it. And they've blown a lot of high draft picks recently as well. So at least you have a payroll to supplant the issues that you have. You look at 2018 and the teams that were successful before that. You had young pieces coming in, but you didn't have any pitching. Therefore, you used your payroll, a weapon that a lot of other teams don't have. Or you traded prospects. Regardless, you were able to get David Price and Chris Sale and end up winning a championship. You've got neither thing coming up right now. So John Henry looks at it and goes, well, what exactly am I going to be spending money on? That's a good point. And I'm kind of with that mentality. Like I'm not this late reactionary Jordan Montgomery signing would be met with meh from me. All right. I mean, not if, even if that's that. all if that's all they do, I Is he going to make you watch? Uh, yeah, be more likely to watch when he's pitching. <laughs> you know, would when, you cuz I would not. When uh, you know, when uh, some of these other guys are out there, they but, might have a better chance to win that game, but is he appointment television like you hear a trending? No, Jordan Montgomery not like, takes the bump tonight. No offense, Winkowski Day is not going to catch on in yeah. the city, I would think. I'm not watching. Tanner Houck Day is not going to do that either, Day. but I know what you mean. Bayo might Bayo might, Bayo might, but Montgomery's probably start. better than Bayo. So I mean, you know, well, yeah. But are you going to watch him? We're talking now about entertainment and allure and investment of your time and these types of things. So they're going to spend two hundred million. It's kind of like Trevor's story. Remember the comment from from John Henry and some of those email interact. Like you, you don't consider Trevor's story a big contract? Nah, he doesn't no. excite me. <laughs> Do you watch because of Trevor Story? Well, he hasn't played at all, so no. Right. No, I have no <laughs> He's interest. Been hurt the whole time. He's fine. Yeah. He, he was good in Colorado, but yeah, I mean, you don't see if much. If this of him were the early 2000s and he was playing with Manny and Ortiz and some of those guys, he'd be like, wow, that Trevor Story is a nice complimentary guy. He's like the Bill Miller. Yeah, exactly. But if you just have Bill Miller won the uh, batting title. batting title, but if you just have Bill Miller, like you're not going to win a championship. You like suck. That. And that's how I feel about Trevor Story. You can pretend you pay him a lot of money, so he's a star. He doesn't make me want to watch, just like Jordan Montgomery. You can spend twenty something million dollars, thirty million dollars a year on him. Is he going to make me watch? Nope, don't care. All right, before we uh, go to break here, Todd in the car has some suggestions for John Henry. Go ahead, Todd. Hey guys, so uh, real quick, obviously John Henry hasn't done jack squat for the past few years, and I think it's been a bridge year ever since Betts was uh, let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I did notice is John Henry is very thin-skinned, and I think one of the issues, as you well know, is you said there's a false narrative about people booing. Obviously, it bothered him a lot. So, you know, this past year, too, he wasn't going to show up at the Fan Appreciation Day. Why? Because he didn't want to deal with that again. So my suggestion to the fans, and I hope people do this, is instead of ye- yelling, Yankees suck at the game, people start yelling, Henry sucks. Can you imagine what he's going to do? I'm going to drop the mic here and see what you guys think. Thanks, Todd. Um, I'm not going to encourage people to say or do anything at the games. Why not? But do I think that would be effective? Yes. Well, <laughs> yes, would, I see, I, <laughs> I, think, I, no, I I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying like that sort of thing would probably bother him. I understand the sentiment, but I think at this point in the mind of John Henry, which we can't get inside of because he refuses to talk to anybody in the media, I, I just think that he looks at, you know, the, the black numbers and the red numbers. Okay, did we sell out? You know, great. Okay, but there was it was like 70-30 Yankees Red Sox fans. Well, I don't care about that. They're still buying tickets and hot dogs and beers and stuff. What do I care? People are still coming to the stadium regardless of if the home team is good or not. So you can sit and chant until you're you, you pass out. 
I just don't think there's anything at this point that is going to convince John Henry, you know what, it's time to start investing in the Red Sox when he's got such a deep portfolio of sports to, to rely now, on. No, Theo's going to change his mind. Theo's going Theo's to get in Great, his head. I'll see you then. 617-779-793. Theo's working on a... Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends, come on. We talk about basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happens. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Mitchell Trubisky thing obviously scares people immediately, and you're right. I think it's a, a sort of a, a boring one. Like it's, oh, the guy played into the same school and he wore the same number. My comparison, I think, changes the whole dynamic. Josh Allen. If you want to spin it positive and say, he reminds me of Josh Allen. He's not necessarily a runner, but he can run. Obviously, has the size, the arm strength, the ability to extend plays, as you said, the arm to cut it through the wind and do all the things that are the good Josh Allen. Now, you also have to remember, when Josh Allen entered the league, he was the bad Josh Allen. It was like you watch the lowlights and you're like, wow, this guy's a project. He may never succeed. So I think it's really dangerous when we go down the comparison road because immediately expectations are like Joe Burrow went to LSU, right? So is he Jamarcus Russell? Like, just because they both went to LSU and played quarterback and went number one overall. One's one of the best quarterbacks of this generation. One's one of the biggest busts of his generation. So I choose to be positive and say Josh Allen. That was super positive Homer Bobo Andy Hart uh, going on about these quarterbacks and how great they all are. It's Christian Arcan here. Uh, no Jones, no Mego. It's me and Hart with no you problem. for the uh, rest of the day for two more hours here until 6 o'clock. Biggest busts. Great. I like big busts, and I cannot lie. Yes. Um, Thank you for being honest. <laughs> we appreciate it. So we're actually, there's a, a thing on ESPN right now. I think it was Matt Miller's uh, comparisons because I remember reading this the other day. Uh, those three quarterbacks are getting very favorable uh, comparisons by a lot of draft scouts. You seem to like... All three of them, really. 
I don't like any of them. And I was just talking to you about this. I'm not a big fan of any of these three quarterbacks. I don't really feel great about the Patriots drafting one of them at third overall. I don't think that any of them here's here's the main problem that I have with it, Andy, is that I don't think any of them can step into an offense that's not really a fully formed offense and be successful, especially not Daniels. Two of Daniels' teammates are probably going to go in the first round. Two of his wide receivers are probably going in the first round. It's sort of like the Mac Jones syndrome, you know? Like, Mac's fine if you got a bunch of all-world guys for him to throw to. And Daniels, I think, is kind of the same way. He's not a great decision-maker. He's skinny. He's, you know, a, a guy who could probably get his ass kicked. Um, I don't really like Drake May. I mean, he's a big, tall guy with a big arm, but... He wasn't exactly dominant in the ACC, and if I'm picking an ACC quarterback, I want a Heisman Trophy or a national championship or something. I want you to dominate that conference. I don't think that he really did that. And I sort of feel the same way about Williams in the Pac-12. Like, he had good numbers, but, you know, it's not like USC was anything special. And I just look at all three of them, and I don't – none of them None of them make me think, oh, you got you to gotta really go all out to get him. You really – you should trade up to get this guy. Like, you know, if one of them falls to you – would you take them? It seems like the Patriots are going to. I just I don't love that. I don't love. I don't like any of them. Does is it a rule if you sit in that seat you have to hate everything? I don't hate everything. I don't hate. Every, I want Marvin Harrison. He just crapped all over three potential franchise quarterbacks. Yeah. Wow. Who? Good chance they're the best quarterbacks that'll be available in the draft in the next two years. Uh, I've heard people say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's they said that about Jameis Winston and Mariota too. But it's not just. Wait, what? That they were the best quarterbacks in the draft? And Just because they they're the best quarterbacks in the draft doesn't mean they're good quarterbacks. Fine, but they went first and go. third or whatever it was Caleb Williams and Drake May have been projected top five picks for multiple years. They are not quite in the generational talent, although some people want to put Caleb Williams in the generational talent. I've mold. heard people do that, He too. went from Oklahoma to USC. The whole time, it was number one pick. Whole time. And Drake May who people love to say is Mitchell Trubisky. That's where that clip you just heard from right. NBC Sports Boston started because Phil Perry wants Perry to be negative it, yeah. and say it's Mitchell Trubisky because I guess he wears a blue jersey with a number 10 on it and they went to the same school. Hey. Like, the, the comparisons are super dangerous. The human brain is a simple right. thing sometimes. And, <laughs> and it's unfair in both directions. <laughs> like, the negative comparison is just as unfair as the positive because if I say Caleb Williams reminds me of Patrick Mahomes, now he has to be Patrick Mahomes. Can he not just be, like, a little bit below Patrick Mahomes? Mm-hmm. Like, I would take, would you take right now for your New England Patriots, 70 cents on the dollar Patrick Mahomes? Sure. Patrick Holmes. <laughs> sure, yeah, Patrick Holmes. Mahomes. I would uh, I would take that. Me too. If I thought any of these three were 70 to 75% so of Patrick everything. Mahomes, then I would be more into it. Yeah, Who are you just, getting to play quarterback? I think that uh, there's not a huge drop-off. We just argued about it. I don't think there's a huge drop-off between the first and second-tier quarterbacks in this draft. That's where I we just disagree. Don't. I think it is cataclysmic, if that's even a word. That is a word. Is that a word? That's a word. I don't know if okay. it applies to this topic, it's but huge. I do think, yeah, it's It's multifactorial. Gargantuan. <laughs> like, the only one that I even have any shot in, because a guy that didn't, I didn't really have it on his shoulders, is J.J. McCarthy, okay. who I kind of like. Don't like panics? I don't like Penix. He can throw the ball. If this is like one of those long drive contests, pretty throw contests, he can throw a nice left-handed ball. I don't like because he's gotten so banged up over the years. Well, he's got the two ACLs, the whole thing, the shoulder. he's like He's older. They both are a little bit older. Mm. Um, But, like, this is a dangerous game. Like, people thought Bryce Young was good. Everybody wanted him. Even the teams that didn't get him admit they would have taken him, blah, blah, blah. And then they didn't really want C.J. Stroud except, oh, look at C.J. Stroud. He looks kind of special down in Houston. So, it is, uh, you've heard this, an inexact science. And all these opinions, you go back and forth on them and what you care about, hand size. Oh, this guy's got big hands. He's got small. Joe Burrow's got small hands. I'll take Joe Burrow. You just mentioned weapons. Joe Burrow had pretty good weapons at LSU, correct? He did. 
And then they went and drafted one the very next year because he was hurt the first year, and they brought in great weapons for him in Cincinnati. So, I mean, and guess if what? you do that, then that'll work out for a guy. If you don't, the guy is not going to reach his the heights of his ability. It's yeah. just the re- Tom Brady had Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski, elite of elite. He won without him, though. Goats. He won without him or his team won without him? He won without him. His team Tom won Tom Brady him. was a pretty big part of those it, wins, his, would you say? He, 82 yards passing until the final drive, and then the final drive was Redmond, Redmond, Wiggy, let's kick this. Okay, that was 2001. We Dumped had 3 and 0-4, too. Brady was pretty good those years. Our kid doesn't like to acknowledge. Historically <laughs> good defenses. I don't acknowledge Wiggy's contributions to anything. In those 0-3, 0-4 seasons, at 3 nothing, the game was over. Brady basically had to get four points in every game, and there was a good chance he was going to win the football game that day. Okay. So, like, the defense carried him, and then he became something else when you gave him weapons, and that's great. That's what you do. And, I, and I'm obviously making a point here. I'm exaggerating a little bit. Mm-hmm. But to just say you think all three quarterbacks are not going to – so you believe none of the three will be a franchise quarterback? Um, Not on the Patriots. I don't think so. I don't think any of the teams that are drafting in the, in the top three are going to turn those guys into franchise quarterbacks. No, I don't think so. See, I don't believe you turn guys into franchise quarterbacks. They're franchise quarterbacks. I guess. You, like, that's their career track. Like, for example, Mac Jones, I don't think was ever going to be a franchise quarterback. He had a good rookie season, and then he broke. Okay. I think you would have broken and realized it at some point, like, uh-oh, we got one of those guys. Trevor Lawrence, a franchise quarterback? Dangerous. I do. I think he's a franchise So quarterback. one of those guys could maybe be what Trevor Lawrence is right now, but I don't think he's all that good. Like, Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great season last year, and he's been sort of a disappointment in three seasons, hasn't he? He has been a disappointment. So, but, I think, but he's a franchise quarterback, so I mean, I think Justin Herbert's a disappointment. He's yeah. so physically Justin gifted, Herbert's a franchise quarterback. he doesn't quarterback. win crap. Agreed. So that's also, what are you looking for? Are you expecting to get, because I think there's... How many elite quarterbacks are there right now? Like, Mahomes is the standard. Mm-hmm. And then you have people like Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Who's next? Lamar? Lamar Jackson. Yep, Jackson. I'd Some say would say there. Jalen Hurts. Some would say Jalen Hurts sucked last year. I, well, I'm probably more on that side of it than saying he's an elite, you know, top right. one or two tier quarterback. Right. Sure. Aaron Rodgers, I think when healthy, people still think probably competes at a top five level. Top Trevor five. Lawrence might be at the very bottom end of this, you know, I not, put Tua ahead the, of not Patrick Mahomes tier of I put Tua ahead of Trevor Lawrence. If you put Trevor Lawrence on the Miami Dolphins, you would think he's a franchise quarterback. Maybe I would, but he's no not. Doubt so, in my I mean, mind. you know, what are you, you going to say? Like, he's not. Because, the, and he, friend, does have, he does have weapons. Not like he doesn't have any weapons in Jacksonville. He's got Kirk and, the, and uh, Ridley there. He had those two guys. Those guys don't stink. They don't stink. I agree with that. Right? They're That's pretty a good. Perfect. Evan Engram doesn't stink. They do not stink. He also has They're a head coach. They're not as good as Hill and Waddle, I agree. But, I mean, it's not like he has nothing. And Doug Peterson is not Shanahan offense. Like, I think something to be said for the offense and the scheme. So there's a lot. I put golf ahead of Lawrence. Quarterback success is multifactorial, you know. That's true. <laughs> but my my idea with these quarterbacks is I absolutely think it's fair to compare the ability. Patrick Mahomes, when he entered the league, you know who didn't like him? Who? You? This guy. Mm. I was not impressed. I thought he was too small. I thought he was like an athletic soccer player playing the quarterback position, this weird guy. He's the standard. But can Caleb Williams be compared to... Patrick Mahomes coming into the league? Absolutely. You think Absolutely. so? Absolutely. Absolutely. I suppose. It's a talent. It's an ability. It's off-platform. It's all the things he can do. He can be compared to Bryce Young in that same way then, can he? Yes. Okay, so I mean... So the biggest it issue... Goes, it goes both ways. Right, but you seem to think they're not worth the risk. I think they're worth the risk. Because if you don't risk it to get a quarterback, you know what you get? As, as Bruce Aarons, no biscuit. True. You never have a biscuit. 
And then all of a sudden, you just keep talking yourselves into these journeyman jag free agents, or I don't even know what the plan is. I want a biscuit. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. Sounds too. great. Six one seven. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The Patriots need a quarterback. Can agree. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. The best of the best quarterbacks go in the top half of the first round. Generally, usually, yes. Okay. The Patriots sit in the top half of the first round. Correct. Mm-hmm. And there are quarterbacks that are going to be available. There are. Roll the dice. Put your big ones on the table and see what happens. I think that's what they're going to do. They just should. Tell him, just tell him I'm not that's a huge, how you win in football. Huge fan of that this year. That's how you win in football. You get a lot of Kyler Murray's and Daniel Jones and uh, you know Jameis Winston's and Marcus Mariota's happening that he's way been too. Hurt Joe too Burrow's and Josh Allen's and Patrick Mahomes's mm-hmm. and all those guys. And Sam Darnold's and uh, Josh. Rosen's. We can do this all day long. Good ones go there. Bad ones go there. It's just true. like tackle. It's true. Just like wide receiver. It's true. Every position is a risk. You know what you should probably do? What should I do? Never, ever draft because it's too risky for your personality. Well, at quarterback, I think this year it is. I'd be fine drafting any of these wide receivers. This is a pretty good quarterback Marvin Harrison's class. a top three. He's been mocked in almost all of these as a top three pick. You're acting like drafting him would be some huge mistake. He's considered a blue chipper at wide receiver, is and he what, not? In what position does he play? Wide receiver. Is it important? Yes. Is it as important as quarterback? No, but if he's a franchise player and these other guys maybe are, if he's a better wide receiver than they are quarterback, you do need help there too. It's so not Saquon like you know. Barkley. And also, if you get Saquon a quarterback Barkley next year. the second pick in the draft, and he's a great NFL running back when healthy. Mm. Nope, he's great when healthy. He's good. Absolutely great when healthy. Fine, he's never healthy. And do they win because of it? No, you can't overcome it. If you don't have the quarterback, it doesn't matter what receiver you have. Okay, they were in the playoffs last year because of who? Danny Dimes or Saquon Barkley? Because they had a nice year under Brian Dable. Okay, but I mean, who was a bigger catalyst than that? If that's the example you're going to use. It was probably more because of Barkley than it was because of uh, Jones. Jones had a good year. He did. But he had you know, a good year. Is he a franchise quarterback? No, he's he absolutely paid, not. So that's the point. Pick? If you have one of those guys, you don't win consistently. Well, you you win consistently with one of those quarterbacks. And if you want one of those quarterbacks, you usually have to take him in the top half of the first round. And you're sitting at the top half of the first round. You are. And I think that's what they're going to do. I'm Somewhere, just... High and Bloom is listening to Arkan, his good buddy Arkan, going, yes. Right, right, exactly. No risk. My exactly. good friend. No risk. risk. Don't, don't do risk it. it. Nope, you're an underdog. bad could happen. Hey, he traded for uh, uh, Kyle Schwarber. All right, this sure, is very, very risky. Sure did. Uh, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. That's the voice of Ryan Garvin. He is going to tell you what's uh, trending. And when we come back, we'll get back into the uh, Dynasty, episodes three and four, which starred Andy Hart. Take Jones and Mego wherever you go. Just tell your smart speaker, hey, Alexa, play EEI, play Jones. <laughs> this is Jones and Mego. Yeah, I hate Jones, Alexa, on WEI. I hope you appreciate this question, Coach. Hey, fellas. How do we feel about playing for Bill Belichick? After the whole Spygate thing, we had a lot of emotions for Bill. Hate, love, I mean, everything. Everything. But he was ours. And everybody's just going after our coach. Bill would never express how he despised everything that was said like trying to invalidate everything that we've done because of a signal but this is how we knew when he felt it that offense kept scoring bill was just relentless we'd be up by 20 30 points and he's telling the offense do it again we're beating people's ass so bad that we're the bad guys sort of liked it though I liked it, too. It's diabolical right there. I liked it, too, Teddy. I sort of liked it. Got my first taste of blood. 
and I kind of liked yeah, right. it. <laughs> Can't go back to just eating hamburgers now. Right. <laughs> now, you know, you just you get the taste for God. it. You can't go back. You ride first class. You can't go back to coach. Um, it was it was hard for me to watch that episode for it. It was you know like as a fan at the time, in my mid twenties, living out in Colorado, which is where I was, uh, reliving that and reliving the season. And the way they were just beating the bejesus out of everybody on a week-to-week basis. Did they that, say they were averaging 42 points a game? Yeah. At, for one stretch, yeah. In old-timey football, that's incredible. Yeah. That <laughs> game against Washington. old-timey football compared to that. The game against the Joe Gibbs-Washington uh, Redskins. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the most thorough ass-whoopings I've seen in NFL history. Mm-hmm. That was... That was unbelievable watching that. It was like, oh, my God. Felt personal. Yeah. Like, these guys, it's like they weren't playing the same sport. Right. Uh, and to see that and to see that they had this sort of FU mentality and we're rallying around Bill Belichick and we're going to take this all the way to the end. And you know how it ends. And you just, uh, it's like once they once they got to the part of the actual Super Bowl against New York, I, like, wanted to shut it off. But I powered through. Uh, you know, hero gets thrown around a lot. But <laughs> I did. Through. I powered through the uh, the end of that episode. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. And it was it was tough to watch. I mean, it was. It's really. It was a really tough thing. And this was after they won three Super Bowls. So you had no right to be as upset about it as we were. But it's still even today, even in twenty twenty four, still it's still it was a kick in the balls. You know. Well, like, and it was disbelief yeah. for me. Like I never believed whatever it was. Forty seconds left. They have the ball. They're down. I never believed they were going to lose. I was like, wow, this is going to be an even crazier story. Quick aside, you know who else didn't believe the Patriots were going to lose? The people who were overseeing the stadium. The confetti was in Patriots colors. I don't know if anybody else also picked up. Also Giants colors. Well, I was going to say the Giants are. Giants also, are red, white, yeah. and blue. Yeah. blue. Oh, so they just got lazy. I don't know. That was my takeaway. Is even they, they had confetti ready for the Patriots. But continue. Yeah, they was Giants, too. But also, I rem- I thought I was going to die. confetti that Yes. Year. I almost <laughs> woo, died goodness. because everybody, usually for games, the press leaves early to go down right. to the locker room. They make an announcement. Yeah, oh, you know, you can now go to the locker room for post-game access. But obviously, no one could leave because this game is coming down to the wire. And then there was, like, a door that wouldn't open at the bottom of a stairwell, and I literally thought it was going to be one of those, like, soccer, <laughs> you know, people are crushed by this wave of humanity and the people at the... Right. It was scary. Like a Travis Scott concert. But it was... It's still borderline unbelievable. Like, yeah. you still, in your mind, are like, really? They lost to the Giants and Eli Manning and somebody named David Tyree. Mm-hmm. It just almost feels... And I understand why Brady going in thought it was almost... Unbelievable! Like, oh, we're only going to score 14 points or whatever his famous line was. Right. Because along the way, what you were talking about earlier, I don't know if people remember this, like everything changed. They started putting on the lower, uh, the ticker. It would be like NFL, dot, 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 notes, Patriots. Yeah. They had their own tab on both NFL Network and ESPN. They, so they, I remember NFL, that. NBA, yeah. remember that. NHL, yeah. Patriots, yep. They were bigger than the sport they were within. They were they were equal to a league in and of themselves. They were this this story because it was and and I love the fact that was it McDaniels that admitted and even Moss a little bit too, like we had kind of gone through training camp, but we weren't really sure. Now this is where I was ahead of them. I said in August, they have a chance to go undefeated. We talk I remember we openly talked about going undefeated before the season started. Hmm. And then you get that Jets game where you unleash Moss, and that's that, it was like, at that point. Oh. Josh is going, oh wow, this this could be special. Crazy. Like I forgot what he said. Yeah, crazy, special, fun, and especially you think about it as the play caller, you're like, 
I got Tom Brady. I got Wes Welker underneath. I got because I always go back to, and it wasn't in this, but there's a famous clip of Belichick saying, "Well, you know, if you take away Moss over the top and he circles it, and you take away Welker underneath and he circles it, really, I'm not sure what we're going to do." Yeah, and no one could. So I don't know what you're worried about. <laughs> that would be the greatest defense like, of all time, then. And they didn't even really do that. They got after Brady. Yeah. The, the way it ended was, were there four? I believe Pro Bowl offensive linemen that year: Light, Copen, Mankins. Maybe there were three. Neil Pro Bowl. was Neil a Pro Bowl, and they might have, maybe it was three. But your Pro Bowl offensive yeah. line got, got its ass whooped by the NASCAR yeah. front with OCU Minora and Michael Strahan and Justin those guys. Tuck, yeah, Justin Tuck against Copen was not a no competitive. Match and this is for those of us that you know poo poo the Andy Greshes of the world that like hey, football is won and lost in the trenches and you got to be strong up the middle and all that. This was a game where you go, yeah, kind of. Yeah. And it was That's full. how the Broncos beat them in 2015, too. Yeah. And it was full circle. How yeah. did the, the dynasty starts by you beating the Rams by being more physical, and we're going to out-tough you. We're a football team. We're physical. You guys are soft. Well, the shoe was kind of on the other foot now, as Brady points out, not just in terms of favorite underdog, but style of play. You had become soft. You had become a pass-first team. You'd maybe lost a little bit of your – gritty, workmanlike, blue-collar nature that helped you beat the Rams and start the dynasty. Yeah, and you made a very good point uh, Thank you. earlier on in the, uh, in the program when we were talking about the way the team rallied around oh, yeah. Bill Belichick. Um, they did not do that. Bill Belichick did not do that for Tom Brady. I hope you appreciate this question, Coach. Hey, fellas. How do we feel about playing for Bill Belichick? Oh! I mean, he had that He had that room in the palm of his hand. Yep. He did, you know. They would have done whatever he said when they, when that was all happening because not only did they feel like he was being unjustly uh, harangued for the whole videotaping thing, which you know obviously was not great in retrospect. I don't say anything but, about this jet thing, okay? Just shut the f- up. <laughs> Everyone's like, okay, you got it, Bill. You got it. Robert Kraft's like, sure, Bill. Bit of a <laughs> counterpoint there too. To sometimes people, players, and like media will say, "Well, Bill never specifically told people what to say and not to say in interviews." Oh, he sure did. I think sure he right just there. told them to shut the f up. <laughs> just shut the f up. Just worry about ourselves, our team. Everybody else is going to say what they want to say. We can't control that, but we can control what we're talking about and what we're doing. Okay, we got a lot of work to do. Uh, indeed. Um, Bill's guys, you know, there was a lot of Bill's guys in that locker room, and Bill's guys sort of uh, kept this thing going into the next iteration of the dynasty. He got some new guys and Devin McCourty and Slater and everything, and, uh, you know, that was sort of a, a theme all throughout the 20-plus years he was here. Bill had his guys, and in the early days, I mean, they were all his guys. There weren't any, there weren't anybody, maybe like a handful of examples, but for the most part, like the important people in that locker room were Bill's guys. Oh, absolutely, and, and that's... Yeah. I know there was a lot when the the promo first came out or the quotes, and it was like Amendola, we we worked for Bill, but we played for played Tom. For Tom yeah. No, no, no. In 2007, they played for Bill Belichick. Absolutely. It was personal. I believe that was the year. Didn't Brady tell uh, Schottenheimer to worry about his own team that year? Schottenheimer right. said No, it wasn't. Was that was, 06, maybe? might have been 06. Yeah, but, when they had that like, big comeback? Yeah. They, yeah. They were personal for a while there, where they were a cohesive, and that's where I believe that sort of foreshadowed what you just talked about, that when we get to Deflategate and Tom, and it's like, wait a minute, we were, we circled the wagons around Bill. I'm not sure we're circling the wagons around me. I'm suing the NFL. Yeah. I'm defending myself. Circling I'm, the firing squad. The, yeah, a little bit. And I'll be interested to see when we get there, if I still feel the same way about this. Because this, there's no doubt that this unified the Patriots into what looked like an unbeatable force right, right. up until 
the unbeatable force was beaten. Yes, and the uh, unbeatable force uh, came crashing down, and then there were some lean years after that, a couple of uh, early playoff exits, another loss to the uh, Giants in the Super Bowl later on, and uh, some trouble with the Broncos. And, you know, I mean, it, it took a while to get back to 2014 when they were able to start winning again. And the fact that they were able to sort of withstand all that and come back all these years later, 10 years later after 2004 and win again, with all that in between, two Super Bowl losses, including something like that, as devastating as that was, to be able to rebound from that, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. You know, that's almost as amazing as a 19-0 season, if not more so, I'd say. And the postgame, and I don't know if you have this, Ryan, the uh, Jonathan Kraft description of the locker room oh, yeah. after Super Bowl 42. That, this was Jonathan Kraft's best this thing he was, did so far. If yeah. true... This is something I had never yeah, heard this. and the most remarkable uh, nugget I've heard about that loss. Yeah, listen so, to this. Jonathan Kraft after the 07 loss of the, uh, in the Super Bowl. Following the loss to the Giants, that locker room was by a factor of 10 the most emotional. And let me, sorry, let me just start over. Because, I mean, I'm watching Cut. guys throw up and cry on the floor. I, you know, I've never seen that. I've never, ever seen that. But I want to figure out how to describe it. That's fine, Jonathan. We'll use that take. People puking. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know what that either. got thrown out? I, I, I hope it's true. It sounds a little bit fabricated. But I'm going to take him at his word. Now I want to, don't you want to know? Don't you immediately say, well, who's throwing up? Right. Who was so, uh emotionally distraught that because you've seen little I've seen little kids do that mm -hmm. they're crying so much or they're so emotional that they start to gag and throw yeah, up I'm there. watching guys throw up and cry on the floor I would pay to have that video who was uh, who was like the most emotional guys on that team Brady was emotional Brady Brady was the offensive emotional. line was very emotional if you remember that was the bearded year they all immediately shaved all their beards off they right. were clean shaven I believe for the bus ride out of the stadium even they got those beards off their effing faces because they had just fallen on their faces. Uh, Rodney, 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 Rodney was emotional. Could be emotional. Had, uh, Rodney Harrison and Randy Moss, two of the outspoken members of that team. Who I mean, Rodney obviously had his success, but Randy Moss joins this team and goes through just the scorched earth tour of all tours and, and sets records. Oh yeah, and you come this close, and not to mention, I had forgotten about this because I basically black out after the uh, Ellis Hobbs blows his coverage. But the ball to Randy Moss, where he says, like, it still haunts me to this day. I had my fingertips on it. Yeah, but do you? No. I mean, those were like three straight bombs in a row. You don't think he should have caught that, right? There was two defenders hitting tipped, him. There was a by the fan. Giant. Yeah. yeah, there was a See, hand there. You would think so, but when you look at every other catch that Tom Brady was able, or every pass Tom Brady had to Randy Moss that year, it doesn't look like he should have caught 95% of the balls that True. came to him. And he did, because that's what they did. He didn't catch a lot that someone else tipped first, right. though. I mean, I actually think know, it was a little underthrown. That, yeah. If he had thrown it another foot and a half out, 12 inches out, I think then Moss has a chance, because he is kind of here with his hands out in front of him. If you're not watching Twitch, here is my hands out in front of me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I didn't think it should have been on him in any way that, like, yeah, I got to catch that. Now, well, you're Moss, you're completely right. completely disagree, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was somebody, you know, according to Jonathan Kraft's recollection, that took this really, really hard. I mean, Arkin was just saying, like, it, it was tough to sit through. That David Tyree pass, uh, uh, Manning getting out of the sack, and Michael Strahan going, oh, he's never gotten out of a sack before. Like, that two minutes watching that last night was excruciating to live through again. And did I? I hate it, and I'm just a fan. I, I wasn't playing in the game. I can't imagine what these guys are feeling like after the way it ended. Did they gloss over the fact that Brady and Moss went off script? 
because he said Tom looked at me and said, oh, "When they, I look at you, cut back." Cut yes. back. Yeah. No, they, they that was in there. No, I know, but all they needed was a field goal. Mm. But we just Brady looked at me and said, "It's almost like Moss is implying." Josh was calling plays to get the field goal, and we were going. And Brady for the end was zone, like, yeah. "Nah, we're going for the win, just like we did in the regular season finale against these turds. We did it then; we can do it again, right?" Yeah. That's how I took that. Is Brady went off script from Josh McDaniel? That's and a did fair his own interpretation. Thing. I wasn't quite sure exact. I thought maybe he just meant, you know, I'm going to run a different route or something. No, no, like no. That. I, think no he, I think you may have been on instead of running here, yeah. like a comeback at the sticks. We'll right. do two of those and kick. Which I, in my head, this is where my head goes, crazy or not. Mm-hmm. Brady is saying, "I don't have Adam Vinatieri anymore." I'm not putting Steven Gostowski as a rookie out here with the game on. I like Brady to Moss much better than I like Gostowski from 48, yep. which Bill passed up earlier in the game. He yeah. did. So Shouldn't have. Am I wrong to Future make... Future Hall of Famer, Steven Gostowski. Am I connecting too many dots in my head that Brady didn't trust Gostowski and that's why they lost the Super Bowl? Maybe not. You know, I mean, they didn't go to him at all, and he was, I think, perfect in the games leading up to that, right? So, you know, that's something that... If uh, Vinatieri's the kicker, Brady doesn't throw deep to Moss... He works his way down the field like he did in 01 or 04 or 03 or any of those years. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, Adam will just win the damn game for us. I've done this before. Or tie the game in this situation. Right. He's uh, done Steven that Steven Gaskowski, by the way, more accurate postseason kicker. Than you Adam can take Vinatieri. any of your numbers, oh, turn them no. sideways, lube them up real nice, and shove them. Oh, no. This upsets people when I when I Because it's stupid. This. It's stupid that he's more accurate in the playoffs? Yeah. Are the if playoffs you're in, a clutch play, a time to be Are you kicking? insinuating that he's better than Adam Vinatieri? No, I'm saying that oh, if Vinatieri okay, okay. goes to the uh, yeah, Hall okay. of Fame, then okay. Gaskowski should too. What? What? If Vinatieri's a Hall of Famer, Gaskowski should be too. He's not a Hall of Fame kicker. Vinatieri's not? Stats are for losers. Who said that? Uh, Bill Belichick. But, all right, so what are we basing it off of then? Our eyes watching games, a combination of factors. It's multifactorial. I'm going to keep using that damn word. In the postseason, Gaskowski is a more accurate number so than Vinatieri. So Vanderjack, with my eyes, I can see that. So too. Mike Vanderjack is better because he was the most accurate kicker in NFL better. history. I didn't say better. I'm saying if Vinatieri's in the, in and he the was a gag the Hall of Fame, he then... was an absolute gag artist. We saw it firsthand. Okay, but Gaskowski wasn't. Gaskowski wasn't a gag artist. 2018 was he a, a gag little, artist? He, he kicked two big field goals in that one. He's a little soft. There's a couple times. of times he missed, but Vinatieri missed more than he did. So I mean, come but on. with the game on the line, Vinatieri was balls for here and for the Colts. Sure, and Vinatieri also missed a couple of kicks in those that if Everybody. he hadn't, and Brady then they wouldn't picks. have had to do that. And, Brady, and by the way, Brady throws picks. If Brady had gotten down the field and gotten in the range for Guskowski, he would have had a chance to kick that, and then we'd be able to settle this. But we can't because Brady didn't get there. So that's right. not Guskowski's so fault. So Brady sucks. Yes, Brady sucks. We're talking about our idiot kicker. The liquored up kicker. That's right. Mike Vanderjack. Who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So. Are you related to Stephen Gostowski? No, Why I, such a passionate defense of how good he is? I had a, lo- a long argument with uh, Jones and Mego about this. Because he's the ultimate stats accumulator, in my opinion. It, well, I mean, fine. Because everybody's you know. like, oh, he's got points. You know why? He played with Brady and Moss in the high, as the off, what'd you call it? Like, Football was taking off at that point or something. Yes. Like, yeah, he played it, after that, too. I yeah, mean, they they, they were only setting records then. during old-timey football. That's Adam Vinatieri played in the snow for a crappy offense with a good defense and a running game. Totally different era. Yeah, it was a different Adam Vinatieri the team, absolutely. plays for the second half of the era. He holds all the records in terms of points. Because points are a byproduct of your offense, not your kicker. Yeah, and if he was a little more accurate, then he probably would have. But he reha- wasn't as accurate as Guskowski. Not to rehash the actual point. but Andy, the worst argument you've had today. And you Vinatieri said the quarterbacks a, all suck. Adam Vinatieri was a 75% accuracy field goal kicker for the Patriots when he was here. If your life is on the line. That means he missed three out of four. 48 yards, your life is on the line. Are I'd you go having, with Vinatieri. For every other kick, I'd go with Guskowski. Wait, what? 
I'd go with that oh, one. Oh, the meaningless one, kicks, you go with Gostowski. They're not meaningless. I They're actually points agree with playoffs. you. I agree uh, with you. No, no, no. Come I agree on. with you now. The meaningless Me- kicks, I'll go with Gostowski, meaningless too. Meaningless kicks are With my life easy. on the line, Adam, step up with your big old biceps even today, and I'll take my chances. I think, I think the, he's on PEDs. I think the, the genesis he of the be. argument was who is important to the dynasty. It was Brady, Kraft, Belichick, or we, Adam Vinatieri, you had to, especially based on how he was covered in those first two episodes. The beginning of this argument was he about... That, that, that's how this all started. No, no, no. It started with Matthew Slater, because we were arguing oh about Matthew God, no, Slater right. being sorry, in the Hall yes. of Fame, and I said, said well, Vinatieri is the only special teamer, and I said, well, Vinatieri's going, and then Guskowski has to, because he was more accurate. And he also won three Super Bowls, you know? And then did, people had a big problem with that. People like they Adam should. Jones. So you and Adam Jones sharing a brain on this one. I am aligned with Adam Jones. Oh. Hope that, I hope that feels good. And you can be aligned <laughs> with Stephen Gostowski. Oh, I am. Baby. hope that feels good. Because I'll take Adam Vinatieri all day. And Adam Jones. You got the Adams over Me there. Me how, Zaddy. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Uh, coming up, we have the triple play with uh, Ryan Garvin's triple play questions next. It's going to be a triple play. It's time for the triple play. Yes! Triple play. The top three burning questions of the day. And there's three. Jones and Mago. Triples is best. Triples is best. Triples is indeed best. Arcan and Hart. That's spring savings, by the way, not winter work special. Uh, and meanwhile, Triple Play is brought to you by the 99 Restaurant. There's no place like home, but the 99 Restaurant comes pretty close with the return of their homestyle chicken pot pie. Andy, that is tender, all-white meat chicken covered with that flaky, buttery crust and served piping hot. You gotta love the nines. I love the nines. Can I tell you? You can. I haven't had a good chicken pot pie in a long time, and I love chicken pot pie. You know, I know a place where you can go and get one. The 99. That's the 99 restaurant. You also have good cold beer, which I'm also a fan of. Chicken pot pie and beer. I know what Andy's doing I mean, Isn't that called a night? That yeah. is called an evening. And this is called Triple Play, and it's Friday. And it's on Friday, because that's when we do it. And it's fill in the blank Friday, so let's start filling in some blanks. Number one. In light of uh, the dynasty, which I am enjoying very much, reliving some of this stuff, uh, that I was probably too young to understand at the time, I posed this first question. Arkane, we'll start with you. My favorite sports documentary is blank. My favorite one. There's been some good ones recently. Um, I love The Last Dance. I love that. I can't remember what it's called now, but the one about the Arizona State uh, point shaving scandal. I really like that one on Netflix. Um, I like the one about the baseball steroids that had the kids playing the baseball players. Like Screwball, I think it was called. But my favorite of all time is Hoop Dreams. Uh, which came out in the 90s, and I think it was maybe just at a time when I was a little more, uh, you know, young and naive and sort of wide-eyed watching these things, and uh, it was really just a very, very engaging story. Um, It was uh, two kids, two teenagers who were uh, recruited out of the same high school in Illinois, and it was sort of their, uh, you know, both rises through the the ranks and the AAUs and all that stuff, and it was really, really good. Um, I I really enjoyed that one. It was, it's been out for a long time, and I don't know how well it's held up. I don't know if I watched it today, if I would feel the same way as I did when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old watching it. But uh, for a long, long time, that was sort of the standard for me. So hoop dreams for me. Andy? So there, there's one I mentioned earlier, and it was kind of on top of mind because I was thinking about this question. Beyond the Mat is certainly in my top few. Uh, I didn't realize how old it is. 1999. Yes. Hmm. guess that means I didn't realize how old I am myself <laughs> based on the, uh, Getting up there. the reference. Um, so there's a few others. One of my favorites recently uh, was the Nolan Ryan one. I really, really enjoyed, I don't even remember the name of it, on on uh, Netflix, and it's from the last, basically, year. Facing Nolan? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is awesome, and it gave me a newfound respect. It's really good, and I think, and there was a little dabbling, a little hint of Bo Jackson in there that they made a little offshoot when Nolan Ryan faced Bo Jackson. It was basically like, 
must-see TV for a period of a couple years there in Bo's you know, career taking off and then ending spectacularly and quickly uh, thanks to a football injury. But Did they have him facing Robin Ventura? Was that oh, yeah, oh, yeah that's in there. Yeah. Like, there's a number. and But just the reality of how freaking good he was for how freaking long is just kind of Patriots-esque, kind yeah. of stupid, kind of unbelievable in a way. And the thing that hit me with the Nolan Ryan documentary is I think he'd be way more respected today than then because I think back then wins mattered more than anything mm. and he didn't always have the most wins he would fit because he never won the Cy Young it's right. one of the great you know like trivia questions of all time kind most of thing. like no hitters and perfect everything games and all the that most stuff. everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and he had these seasons where <laughs> yeah he only had 13 <laughs> wins but he led the league in ERA and strikeouts and I feel like in modern Cy Young voting you lead the league in strikeouts and ERA you're probably winning the Cy Young regardless of what your record is. Yeah. Um, like so King I think, Felix, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah there's a bunch of guys So like I that, think yeah. he would have been more appreciated then. So I'm going to say beyond the mat, but also just in the non-sports world real quick here. Yep. Don't ever watch okay. upon recommendation of Rich Keefe. Uh, abducted in plain sight. Ooh, that's tough because Keith has given me some good movie recommendations. Was this what you were talking to Sis about before the show last night? It changed my life. Yeah, it freaked I, me your out. description of it makes me not. It's the watch worst it. thing ever. Uh, I mean, watch it if you want to be amazed. I've heard but about this. I yeah. don't. It's, With the neighbor, or whatever. Yeah, I don't yeah, need yeah. to be amazed. Uh, yeah, the things that go on in that, and the thing after thing after thing where parents gone bad. Like, what are you thinking? Allowing this to happen in the world of your children. Do not watch it. Okay. I still get choked up watching Four Nights in October. To me, that is the perfect <laughs> documentary. I don't care. I will never be too old for that. Moving right along. Number two. Number two. Obviously, Spygate uh, has been a prominent part of the show today. It was a prominent, prominent part of the dynasty on Apple TV Plus last night. So number two and number three are kind of similar, but I changed the wording here. We'll start with number two. Andy Hart, the most interesting sports cheating scandal is blank. Uh, I think this is an easy one that um, we all sort of lived first person. I'll speak for myself. We lived first person. The uh, Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding thing mm. was unbelievable on so many levels. And and that's a cheating scandal, by the way. I mean, it was a crime was committed and everything, but that was a cheating you scandal. You were taking sure. out your competition. Yep. Right? Like, you were that, that's cheating, trying to find a way to take out your competition in an unfair way. Yep. But... To do so, the way. yes, this goon and like Nancy Kerrigan, why, why hard black stick like and there's video footage. It's like this modern scandal that is a soap opera. It's bad. It's a bad movie. It's ill prepared, not well thought out, like nothing was smart about it. <laughs> and it was right, I think, when I was becoming like of age, like noticing things in the world mm -hmm. and like. The Olympics hair is starting to. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I, I just I had to run into the studio. And came back. What were you talking about? My like Rex Ryan. They dropped today. Yeah. They dropped. Talking Today's about the uh, day they dropped. Andy going through puberty. Um. <laughs> so I just like you start to realize like this world is just effed up. Like yeah. stuff happens. You watch the news, and, and so I would go with that one. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably number one for me. Number two would be Rosie Ruiz. Uh, because that's that a good was, one. and you came up, but you you were the one we were talking about that, and I was like, yeah, you know what? There's some other ones that I can think are, are definitely uh, interesting, but it doesn't get much more interesting than running a marathon and then taking the train for like five or however many miles it was that she went. How long was she on the train for? Like, how much of the track did she actually skip? Because it was a significant portion. Oh, it was a lot. And yeah, then yeah. she just got off the train and ran right back in, and no one noticed, and that was in the 70s or whatever it was, and that was just like a thing. And then finally people were like, you know, I don't remember seeing her. <laughs> it's the simplicity did anyone, of it. Did anyone see her? Why doesn't she look tired? Like, it's remarkable. And I know she didn't get away with it. Right. But just to like, why had no one else ever tried it? Or had they? And maybe it didn't, whatever. But just, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm How many people the won the marathon that took the tea that we don't know about? Right. 
Simple. Sometimes the simplest of plans are the best plans, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Get on the tee and win the race. Yeah. Uh, it's not an official cheating scandal, I think, but there's a lot of uh, static around the 2002 series between the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Lakers and Tim Donahue yeah. and fixing games. Yeah, oh, I yeah. am. There was a, a, that, a. I mean, that series was fixed. A, sure. a documentary yeah. on YouTube, I think it was called The Greatest Tragedy in the History of Sports, that outlined that, that game six, basically, where, like, I mean, you got Kobe Bryant basically knocking out Mike Bibby, all the free throw discrepancies. I find that to be incredibly interesting, despite the fact that it wasn't an official cheating scandal. Mike Kings got screwed. All right, one more. Number three. Number three, like I said, we're going to change it up a little bit, but this I want to focus more on what the public perception was as far as cheating scandals go. Uh, to the public perception, the most damaging sports cheating scandal, Arcan, is blank. I wasn't around for this, obviously, but I'm going to say Shoeless Joe and the Black Sox uh, throwing the World Series. I think that at the time uh, yes. was considered. Uh, there was no other professional examples of teams that were out there throwing games. You know, there's not like a lot of examples of that. There's teams trying to get uh, competitive advantages and videotaping and doing steroids and all these other sort of things with cheating. And the steroid era, I mean, if you want to consider that, like that that was damaging to the public perception of baseball. But that was guys trying to get better. Guy, like this was more like Pete Rose, you know, and like uh, betting against your team, which Rose claimed he never did. But to know that there was this guy who was, you know, this illiterate baseball player taking money because baseball players didn't make much back then at a time when baseball was still very popular. It just wasn't making a lot of money. And, uh, you know, that, that whole team to just be on the take essentially. And, uh, and what that did for, for sports in general, I think was, uh, was, was rough. And I'd only know that from reading, you know, old history books and stuff like that in terms of like the modern era. I don't know. I mean, I'd say Spygate and Deflategate were right up there in terms of the public perception of the Patriots. It definitely was, uh, was rougher on them than more of the modern ones I can think of, but all, all encompassing, I'd say the, the Black Sox. So I have two that jump to mind. Uh, first would be Lance Armstrong, mm -hmm. just because the whole Live Strong movement was built on him Ooh, as that's a person. A good one. Yeah, that's and a very like, good one. There's still places you go to, like YMCA's, where it still says Live Strong, and I'm like, you really still want that up there? And what that kind of do a Google search implies? real quick, and right. then Go get a ladder, and take, take that, that down. <laughs> but I actually think the the biggest is what you mentioned, the steroid era. If I can put that. It ruined baseball to a sense, and it ruined, more importantly to me, the history of baseball. Yeah. The Hall of Fame doesn't have the best players in it. That's just a reality. We now mock Hall of Fame voting and Hall of Fame weekend, and we mock the writers because they're holier-than-thou approach. or what. It, like, it has just ruined that. And baseball was built upon the Hall of Fame and history and statistics, and you just ripped that all apart. And I don't even care which side you're on, but you ruined it. You absolutely ruined the history of baseball in the Hall of Fame. So the steroid era, Balco, steroids, the whole thing, you ruined it. I would also tag onto that. There were a lot of good answers on that third one, but I think the the Astros sign-stealing scandal yeah. is it, it's going to be another one when all those careers are said and done and you're looking at Jose Altuve or Alex Bregman or anybody else that had success on that team. And those were really good teams. But And you can man, watch the old footage and hear the trash you cans hear in the background. And it, yeah. Like, you know, Evan Drellick and, <laughs> and, and the investigation that he did on that, and like John Boy Media, like doing like all these, like, you know, uh, trash 
trash can banging like it launched like some like a lot of careers in baseball and also just the perception of the Astros I don't think that ever changes it does it compare to steroids probably not but in the modern era of baseball where everything's supposed to be on the up and up and you still have that going on I think that was incredibly damning to that organization and everyone that was attached to it and that is triple play, Arkand. They were asking Rosie Ruiz, like, after the race, they're like, so what were your intervals like? And she was like, what's that? What's an interval? What's an interval? Like, what are you well, talking we about? we stopped, and then the doors closed. We stopped <laughs> yeah. again. And First, I was hanging on to the strap for a little bit, and then my arm got tired. They interviewed, so I just I looked this up. They interviewed her and Bill Rogers, who's like, you know, the Mr. Mr. Marathon. And he's, like, answering all these questions. And then they ask Rosie, and she's like, uh, like, I don't, so I don't know what you mean. thought into this and preparation. <laughs> Bill Rogers is like, wow. Yeah, like, she thought, I can't believe nobody else has ever thought of this before. <laughs> what a uh, what a tremendous Boston sports moment that was. All right. Uh, what do we got coming up here? Five o'clock hour coming up here. Uh, we will uh, jump back into our big Q at two, which is who is the biggest adversary of the Patriots in the dynasty era? We'll get into all of that with uh, Andy Hart and with your phone calls, which we'll get to right after this. Ernie Adams. I don't even know how to describe him. We used to see this guy walking around. He had these glasses, this mustache always talking to Belichick in private. They were always like kind of whispering. Ernie Adams being at the center of Spygate made perfect sense to me. He's a football savant. Ernie Adams is a genius. There's not one detail that Ernie Adams would not know about. Just so you know, on this whole video thing. The video thing? The Jets game in 2007. Oh. Okay. I just I, I'm not I'm I'm not going to reopen it. Well, we have to talk it a little. Yeah, right. But just just you know, I mean, this is you're not going. I'm not like. Could I tell you stories? Yes. Am I going to? No. I got some. I, I, this is I, it's going to the grave with me a little bit. Okay. Well, let's just talk about it. We'll see where we go. That was a segment that stood out in the uh, fourth episode of the Dynasty, the Ernie Adams segment. As uh, we get, I don't know, I was about to say we get more of an idea of what it is Ernie Adams does, but we didn't really. We just have a bunch of guys going, I don't know what Ernie Adams did. <laughs> but that no one was surprised that he was at the center of uh, Spygate, which is what episode four spends the majority of the time talking about. Um, we'll get into some of that Ernie Adams stuff as well. Just here, you know, I mean, this is, you're not going, I'm not. <laughs> Okay, and I Ernie. love the. Is, what, who, I'm sorry, the, the interviewer, Matt. Uh, Matt. That's Matt Hamachek. Matt Hamachek. Yeah, well, let's just talk about it and see where it goes. Like, he does a yeah. good job. Okay, well, let's just talk about it. We'll see where we go. <laughs> He's like a therapist. Like, let's just talk. We'll, we'll talk this out. We'll talk this through. We'll, uh, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. But Ernie is so ominous, like, oh, I got stories, but I'll go to the grave with him. Right. So he clearly is threatening to, like, take down everybody else who was doing it or something. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's an implied threat there. I don't think that Spygate stuck to him. No. You know, the way it stuck to didn't stick to anybody, and in my opinion. Crafts and all that. I mean, it stuck to the Patriots as a team, I guess. Kind of. It didn't stay. It wasn't like, oh, that was Ernie Adams' thing. Did it ruin anything? Mm, no. They went on to have a second half of the dynasty. They did, years years and years They're later. They're considered yeah. the greatest uh, dynasty of all time. They're doing documentaries about their greatness. They're talking about how great, you know, the GOAT, Bill Belichick, the GOAT, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. how great a powerful owner Robert Kraft is. Now, well, did Deflategate have a big impact? I mean, no. Okay, so no. <laughs> Tef- that's why I call him say- Teflon Tom. In the he's been involved with some of the biggest scandals in the history of the sport. And nobody talks about it. It may have uh, affected the relationship between Bill and Brady in a way that sure. never really recovered. So that's something. But it and didn't. It didn't take away from them. No. In the way that I think some of the detractors and Jets fans hoped it would. And that's why I think yeah. your big cue at two 
if you want to reset that before Let's reset I finish it. my point. Big Q at two. Uh, what was the biggest adversary for the Patriots? The uh, Let's see what the voting is at right now. I haven't looked this up in a while. Uh, the voting right now is still Roger Goodell out in the lead. It's Roger Goodell, Eric Mangini, Bernard Pollard, and the New York Giants. Roger Goodell, 52.3% uh, of the vote, followed by the Giants at about 28%, then Pollard at 11 and Eric Mangini at 8.5. How can Roger Goodell be the biggest issue when Kraft admits... I told Roger Goodell, just fine him and fine us, but don't suspend him. And, and Goodell's like, okay, I'll do that, and then we'll destroy all evidence so no one will ever see it. Cue Robin Glazer with a hammer walking down the hallway ominously. Like, what did Goodell do? Well, I think Goodell was much more of an adversary during Deflategate. To who? To the Patriots. It was at least viewed that way. To the Patriots or yeah. to Tom? Well, to the Patriots in general. I Tom mean, there was, was kind of hung out to dry. He was, but I mean, Ted and I'm Wells, not a Tom Brady defender. Ted Wells was hired by Roger Goodell. You know what I mean? Like that all happened at the at the behest of really the other owners who all wanted Goodell to do it. But then Goodell ended up being the one who sort of prosecuted all of that, and I think that's why Patriots fans hate him so much. It wasn't so much because of what happened in Spygate. In Spygate, I feel like he kind of had the Patriots back more than he would have otherwise. Absolutely. In Deflategate, you can't really say that. Even though I think the first we see of Goodell in whichever one of these episodes is like, you know, I have to. I have to be the bad guy or whatever, and even the owners know that. Right. And then you get Roger, I mean, you get Robert Kraft saying, I told him don't suspend Bill, and then Goodell didn't suspend Bill, the damnedest thing. It's, yeah. And a lot of people believe some part of the hammer coming down into Flategate was because Goodell now felt like, well, I went easy on you the first time, and you screwed me by doing something else. I got to come down harder to appease the other 31 owners who know I went easy on you the first time. Yeah. Like, there, there's a, a factor there. But... I still go back to the Giants. Do you put Roger Goodell even in like the top? Like, is he in even like the top five of adversaries for the Patriots? No, I don't put him there either. Because from this scandal, correct me if I'm wrong, as I like to say, they did it. Correct? Mm -hmm. They did it. So Goodell didn't like. Oh, they did. I tell you stories. Yes, am I going to? No, I got some. This isn't one of those like uh, those bad movies where like some guy's getting pulled over and the cop slips the coke in his pocket and then right. goes, "Oh, what do we have here? Cocaine <laughs> in your pocket?" That's entrapment. Like I'm pretty sure Bill Belichick with Armin Katayan because he wouldn't talk about it in this. Thank actual you. I could not think of that guy's yeah. name because yeah. when they went to Bill Belichick I in real about time, that interview. he's yeah. like. I've already said what I needed to say on that. And then they go right to that interview where he was like, look, it was it was a mistake. We So by saying I made a mistake is basically you've been, yeah, we did it. He did it. I broke the rule, right? Yeah. Yep. So I taped from the wrong area. The fix you know? wasn't in. Nothing was in. I, so they, now they clearly blame Mangini. That's where the Pioli thing right. comes in. Like when you're part of the family, you never leave the family. And okay. the family comes first. And like, okay, Luca Brat. Wait, what are we doing here? It's football. <laughs> You know, I was a ball boy. You gave me a job. I worked my way up, and yeah. I left. And I knew you were cheating, so I said you were cheating. All I remember, all yeah, like Eric, he was the coach of a division rival. He was trying to win. Yeah. Don't you think Bill Belichick does everything to win? Absolutely. So Eric Mangini learned from Bill Belichick that you do anything you can to win. Yeah. You taught the criminal that turned on you. <laughs> it's true. You groomed him for this. You blame yourself. And Mangini, I mean, listen, after that, that did not uh, go well for Mangini. The Jets weren't very good, and then did he go to Cleveland after that or something? He, and like, yeah, he beat the Patriots. He beat the, the Patriots. Right. He beat and, the Patriots as both, yes, I believe. He did. And remember, he was Mangenius, and he was on the Sopranos, and then it kind of petered out. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that. All of yeah. Belichick's, he was man genius. All of Belichick's eh. coaching tree guys beat him. Yeah, and they didn't beat anybody else. <laughs> yes, Josh we all beat him indeed. Pretty much, it's true. Patricia beat him uh, that Patricia one year. Did yeah. beat him. The Josh Detroit beat kicked him. their ass. Uh, yep. Joe Judge beat him. Uh, Josh McDaniels beat him with the Broncos and with the uh, Raiders. Yep. I mean, it's like it's weird. You go down the line, and they were not good coaches. They were not good head coaches. 
but they beat Bill's ass <laughs> like every time they played. It was really very strange. Um, so the biggest adversary is who? So it's still the Giants. I agree. Because there's two Super Bowls that went to the Giants that if they don't go to the Giants, your numbers are now uh, Bill Russellian. Russellian. Yeah. Whatever. How would you That's say that? That's definitely not a word. <laughs> You can't just add Ian multifactorial to cataclysmic. Those are words. Bill um, Russellian. That is not like the numbers are silly. Like even silly. I should say sillier because the Patriots' numbers and Brady's numbers are already silly. They are, and it changes the history of the game. And if they win that first one, I don't know. Does that change anything thereafter? Does like the momentum continue? Butter. I'm a butterfly effect guy. Mm-hmm. Does Brady not tear his ACL to start the next year because they're coming off a Super Bowl? It changes some little factor in the whole fabric of the world. Does Kevin Falk not go to that little Wayne show? Uh, I mean, <laughs> like who knows? Yeah, everything changes. So I really do believe the giant. And is Tom Coughlin? Is he in the Hall of Fame? No, I don't know. I don't should, think he is. I think he should be. I feel like he kind of should be too, but maybe not. I have to do a little research on this. Fame. Let's see, Tom Coughlin. We'll have to wait a little longer to be indicted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, Inducted. Yeah, he was passed over. He was passed over this year. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the, like so much history changed. Randy Moss, how many Super Bowl rings he got? Zero. Nothing. Like, history changes for all those guys and the perception. Like, there's a certain radio host in this town that thinks Moss was a dog and there was no way the Patriots were ever going to win with a player like Randy Moss. One of the dumbest sports talk radio takes <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. And yet... The facts are on his side because Moss never won a ring, even though Moss was out there and helped them take the lead. And yeah. What is it, 242 left when he left the field with a lead? And then. I mean, you can say that about Wes Welker and Logan Mankins yeah. and all the other guys on those all teams that never won either. I mean, changes. You know, per- yeah. yeah. Welker's the perfect example. Right. Fraudulent Patriot fans, the supposed Foxborough faithful, turned on him so quickly. When he dropped he that ever, pass in yeah. 2011. Yeah. But if he had already won, and there were some that believed he was going to be the MVP, by the way, of Super Bowl 42, mm-hmm. if they win the game. Yep. Now Wes Welker is a beloved member of Patriot Nation for the rest of his life, right? Instead, he's the the laughing stock. They mock him. He's the guy that Edelman's that, better. Thank you. That that people will Stupid. put underneath Julian Edelman. Stupid. You know, the numbers clearly indicate Stupid. Wes Welker was the better receiver. West I Will- voted for Bernard Pollard, by the way. I was gonna say I was gonna ask Yandy where he put Pollard on the list. Why why do you have Pollard? And, and so I I came up with the answers to this and Roger Goodell I, I knew was going to sort of stand out because he is that figurehead of the NFL always trying to crack down on the league and obviously the Giants and reliving it was awful and Eric Bangini turning his back in page whatever Bernard Pollard I can make an argument that Bernard Pollard directly derailed several playoff runs for the New England Patriots he ended could you imagine Tom Brady getting a full season coming back in 2008 after going out the way they did? Who knows? Maybe they go undefeated that year, too, because they're so sought off about how things ended with the Giants. Rob Gronkowski was this force of nature when he came into the league, and a Bernard Pollard tackle ended Rob Gronkowski's season. He never got to play in the playoffs. He knocked out Stephen Ridley in 2012 uh, when he was with the Ravens uh, and with the opportunity to go and tie the game against them. I don't recall the Wes Welker injury. Wes Welker, but he was around. He, uh, he was, I believe he was cutting to avoid Pollard. to avoid Bernard Pollard. Wes Welker gets hurt. He is done for the year. Bernard Pollard, absolutely, I think, just single handedly wrecked. You know, I think was the cause of this drought from you know not being able to win a Super Bowl in 2007, and again not having Gronk in 2011. Uh, Tom Brady getting hurt. Not to mention, do you mention remember that Ridley hit? That's what I'm saying. He yeah. 
He knocked Ridley out. That's a penalty now. Ridley completely unconscious, and the Ravens go on to win that game uh, and knock the Patriots out. But also, just like internally, so that's just on the field stuff. Internally, I think Bill Belichick, you know, if you look at what Seth Wickersham has written, that that Bill Belichick was always trying to move on from the 30-year-old quarterback. So I think... When Tom Brady gets hurt due to Bernard Pollard hitting him low and he puts in Matt Castle, Bill Belichick starts to think, is Tom Brady really that great? Is Tom Brady really that special? Or is he just a guy that that I surround with all these great weapons? And, you know, Matt Castle doesn't have the same ability, but we still went 11-5 and and missed the playoffs uh, on a tiebreaker to the Miami Dolphins. I think that could have, in my crazy head started the the beginning of the end as far as the separation from Bill Belichick to Tom Brady, where he goes, well, if Tom's not here and we're still having success, how is how important is it to have the greatest quarterback of all time? I don't think any of that happens if Bernard Pollard isn't out there being the Patriot killer that he went on to become famous for. Well, he makes you about 55% better or something because you lost five games with Matt Castle sure. and you were undefeated with Tom Brady. Because your I'm other point's Br- perfect. I'm on Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady's back in 08? With the motivation of 07, they might go undefeated that year because the they team might was still really good. Football game. The guy who never started in college led them to 11 wins. You don't think Brady could have led them to another 16 wins? Probably could have. Of course, but again, Bill Belichick looks at that and goes, oh, man, I am a genius. Look at this team that I built. <laughs> and Ernie me. goes, yes, you are, Bill. You and I, were, Bill, we are geniuses. Bill, you're going to yes. include me when we talk about this, right? Bill, I have some stuff to say on the sidelines. And I'll take it to my grave. All right, let's go to Kevin and Bill Ricketts, 617-779-7937. He has a thought on Tom Brady. Go ahead, uh, Kevin. All right, Christian, Andy, thank you. Man, I, I was I was ready to hang up five times. I've been on a hold for so long. Well, you've been having a, anyways, a spirited conversation, uh, Kevin. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, you know, about the giant Super Bowls, you know, with, with Tom, in each one, I can't remember, uh, 7 and 11, he had an opportunity to run for a first down, one was a third down, one was a fourth down, and he ended up throwing the ball. And then, all right, Ellis Hall blew the coverage, but, oh, how could Rodney Harrison have the presence of mind? Hey, Ellis, don't go for the inside move, and blah, blah, blah. And- that was an all-out blitz. Sorry, Kevin, I hung up. But yeah. that was an all-out blitz, and it was one-on-one, and he was one-on-one with a guy who was a foot taller than him. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, bl- even if he was in perfect coverage, I think he did, Burris probably comes down with that, right? Probably. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they was on an island, and the blitz didn't get there in time. That's Now, what you can argue point. what's the more dangerous thing. Can you tackle him after he runs a slant? And the sluggo, if you get beat on that, is what it ended up being, a yeah. touchdown. Um but I don't know if it's on, it's on Rodney Plexico Harrison. Plexico have ankle injury, uh, issues going into that game, too. You knew he couldn't cut in, so he could only go one direction. Yeah, I just, and putting that on Rodney, if you want to put it on Romeo, Romeo Cornell. Yeah, I wouldn't put that on Rodney. Was that Romeo? Uh, Yes, right? Wasn't he in the? Wasn't he in there screaming at him on the sideline in the documentary? Wasn't that Romeo yelling at him? Forgetting now. I thought it was. Maybe not. Anyway, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Uh, we'll continue with your phone calls, and uh, Ryan Garvin will tell you what's trending right now. Talk in perfect harmony. Uh, Why you punish me? This is Jones and Mego. On WEEI. I didn't party with the rest of the team. The next day, I remember getting in the car and Coach Belichick, and he got in, he was still up from the night before. I could smell the alcohol. But I remember him saying to me, well, Tom, you had a pretty good year. 
you know, and uh, that was his way of complimenting me. That was a good moment. That was a good moment from the uh, third episode there, post Super Bowl. Belichick. What kind of drunk to, you think he is? Uh, when he's effed up, as Tom put it. Let's see, 2002. What was? I don't know. Scotch, probably. No, no, no. I mean, like, is he really nice, talkative? Oh, what kind of angry? drunk is he? I mean, I thought about like, what was he drinking? No, um, no, no. I would guess he's probably a lot uh, looser when he's drinking. You know what I mean? I'd I imagine hope. he's like, uh, he's like a lot friendlier. He probably. You know, he probably tells his friends he loves him when he's drunk. I bet he's one of those kind of drunks. That's I how bet, I, I bet he was hope. telling Ernie, like, man, I love you, Ernie. Like, you know, it was one of those type of things. Yeah. I, like, I come hope. here, listen to me, man. Because like, if Ernie. he becomes more, if he's a mean drunk, then it's like, jeez. Yeah. You're mean. He, got, so he was still f***ed up from the night before. But who's going to be a mean drunk when you win the Super Bowl? You know, like, there's certain, it depends what you're drinking for. If you're drinking because you're down, you might be a, a mean drunk. If you're drinking to celebrate. So, 07 Belichick drunk after the, the oh, yeah. loss. Oh, yeah. Might be a little different. Stay Several away. eyeballs were smashed that night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want to get I wouldn't want to get in that room. Um, I like that. I like that little bit from Tom Brady there. I like the Brady parts, too. I mean, you know, we were obviously expecting to hear from Tom Brady. He's been pretty forthcoming. And I think certainly in the first two episodes, you know, his stuff is playing pool with the offensive linemen, you know, drinking Oh, the old like, puffy face Brady yeah, on yeah, the yeah. old video footage from David Nugent? Yeah, doing the uh, De Niro impression at the pool table. Like, that was cool. I, or when I he became a millionaire that. and they just rocked out to... Uh, Black, Black Betty. Betty. Black Bam, Betty, Bam, yeah. Bam, Bam. Who sings like, Black Betty? Who sings that song? Ram Jam. Ram Jam. How do you know that? Because he's... I, I, I have years and... Is that a one-hit wonder? I, I, Music I, You know what it is? It is absolutely a one-hit wonder. Okay, because I never There's been a lot of great covers of Black Betty, by the way. There's all all across different genres of music. I'm not saying you got to look them up I was right now. Say, but there are there are a lot of them. Uh, 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Any uh, other thoughts here on episodes three and four that we didn't get to, Andy? So the only um, thing that I wouldn't say bothered me, I thought there was a little Robert Kraft whining about how everybody was against them. Well. I mean, that's kind of how the world works. Yeah. Everybody was for you. Even Mike Martz said it. He was pissed when he looked around New Orleans and it was like Patriots fans, red, white, and blue. Everybody's, a, you know, we're all Americans, red, white, and blue. Like that year. Yeah. People thought it was rigged, if you remember. Of course. On 9-11 yeah. and they scripted it for the Patriots. And the Patriots win. won the Super right. Bowl, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously when you're undefeated. Wouldn't they rig it for a New York team? <laughs> like, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't that make a little more sense? Don't look too deep into the details. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then... When your team is admitting that you're kind of playing like a-holes. Right. <laughs> you're running the score up on people. What was the famous Belichick quote? Didn't, wasn't that the year where he said, yeah, people Do were, your job. No, no, no. That's one. Oh, I got I'm you. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, when somebody asked about running it up, what do you want us to do? Kick a Kick field, a field goal? goal? Right. Right? That's the famous quote. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. well, if you're going to be the a-hole and the bully and, you know, try to beat people by 15 and, and embarrass embrace people. It and be outward about it. It's right. not like they were, you know, behind the scenes. Like, they were in your face being and Don't whine when everybody was against us. Like, right. I actually would want to reach that point. I want to be Mike Tyson. I want to be the person on top of the mountain. Yeah, the Yankees. You, you know, know you're a kid things, in elementary yeah. school in the big snow pile, and you're the king of the mountain. Yeah, bring it on, bitches. I'm at the top of the mountain. You're all going down. Yeah. I don't want to be the kid climbing up the mountain. No, that you guy's got to do work. Right. Robert Kraft wants to be liked, though. You he know? does want to be He has be liked. a compulsion to be liked by everybody. So as much as he liked winning all those games and, you know, running up the score and all of that, he knew what that looked like to the other owners, and the other <laughs> owners didn't like it, and it was a whole thing. So I can I can sort of see why he was that way. He also was, you know, the devil was at work when that uh, Tomasi piece came out in the Herald. Like, you know, that wasn't that wasn't you getting 
called to the carpet for something that a source was telling a reporter like that was the devil at work. Right. Like, okay, you know, well, and I also that was more of the haters going after you. Like, dramatic too. Yeah, and also at the beginning of the season, you admitted to doing similar behavior. So you know what I mean? Like that's that's part of it too. That wasn't haters. That was. I mean, I guess it was haters, but they had a reason to hate you, you know? I did also enjoy the um, circle of his life or role or interaction with the Herald. There was an early clip about right. he's talking to Pat talking Purcell, to Purcell yeah. and he's like, I hope it's selling a lot of papers for the Herald. And then you have Jonathan saying, and if it was worth anything, we would own that paper, yeah. but it's not. I'd, I'd like buy and sell you if I wanted to. Jonathan's come don't. off pretty well in this. Uh, yeah, good dramatic uh, retelling of the postgame locker room with the people vomiting on the floor, mm-hmm. even though he didn't like the way he delivered it. He right. was like, I, l- let me let me say it better. And I'm watching up. guys throw up and cry on the floor. Cut, cut. <laughs> no, I, w- I want to say it a better way. And then when he's talking about the Herald, like that was that was gold. right? Yeah, there. that was pretty good. Um, th- do we have the Robin Glazer part? Can we uh, can we play this show? Robin Glazer, who is now in control of everything at a Gillette Stadium, if you no if one you has said that, just no you one has guys said it, on this show, but no one has denied it. And Gerard Mayo would not even breathe her name uh, in that press conference. So I uh, to assume that she, everyone's afraid of her and that she runs everything and she has, uh, you know, she's basically pulling all the strings. That's that's how we prefer to look at it. Okay, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's how we're looking. Just more run with it. For us. Robin Glazer, one day after she got hired, had to do uh, this when uh, when walking down the hallway. And it was going to be a story. And so the NFL flew security personnel in again, and it was decided that we would destroy the tapes on premises. So I remember walking down the hallway and asking someone for a hammer. And they took the hammer to the tapes. Can you stop it real quick, Ryan? So if you did, not to give away too much of this thing, because I know people still haven't seen it all yet, but there's this scene where... Robin Glazer, re- it's a reenactment. It's like in the first episode when Ernie Adams reenacted his commute from his house to the old stadium. It's a reenactment. The Patriots are going to turn into a pumpkin, kid. <laughs> it's Robin Glazer. Your calls now. <clears throat> and she gets this cool, like, entourage, slow walk down the hallway <laughs> in, the, in the craft building I with the hammer in her hand. Like, and it's oh, like, oh, God. <laughs> I was so waiting for, stupid. like, porno for pyros to start playing. <laughs> Instead, it's just her walking down the hallway with the hammer. And then uh, you can continue. But so that's- I remember walking down the hallway and asking someone for a hammer. Hey, who's got a hammer over here? And they took the hammer to the tapes. And I'm on my hands and knees in a dress and high heels, picking up the tapes and throwing them away. I remember thinking to myself, I'm gonna all run the, the team cycles, someday. all the commentary, this is done. It's over. We've been fined. This is over. That is not at all what happened. She's right. That's not at all what happened. No. And why did you think that's what was going to happen? Mm. I don't know. When the Broncos got she in trouble. Was new. It was like her first day. Like, remember the Broncos <laughs> got in trouble? There's a lot to be thrown on your plate. I was just thinking I'd sign some forms, get health insurance, go to lunch with somebody. Like, the Broncos won two Super Bowls, and they circumvented the uh, salary cap to do it. Remember, they got money through yeah. the new stadium and all that, and they gave it to Terrell Davis and John Elway. And, like... After that happened, people were mad, but it didn't stick with them like this stuck with the Patriots. So maybe that's why she didn't think it would be a big deal. Well, but this, you know, I don't know. I just, it seems shady. When you're smashing something with a hammer, it didn't get that, get Brady in trouble? Didn't he smash his phone with a hammer? Uh, Yes, years later he did. So, well, he did something to his phone. He destroyed When you smash something with a hammer to make it disappear, just feel shady. I I, like, I I mean, the the league smashed the tapes. No, she did. 
No, no, no. This they were done. smashing the tapes, and she was it's picking over. up the smashed tapes. I think she was on her hands and knees in a dress, smashing tapes, and then throwing them in, in the garbage. And throwing yeah. them in the garbage. I interpreted it that the league uh, representatives were there, and they smashed the tapes, oh. and she put them all in. So why is she out. getting her entourage slow motion walk down the yeah. hallway with a hammer? Oh, she it. had the hammer. She holds the hammer. Now, you she believe she still holds she, the hammer. She does. And then she gave it to the guys who were there to smash the tape. The NFL smashed the so tape. you don't think a woman could smash something? No, I don't. Sexist. With their little, with their little dainty hands? No, of course not. I also just think the imagery <laughs> of it is shady. Like if you had the imagery some, of it is, yeah, if I mean, you yeah. had some oversized shredder and put every videotape through the shredder, <laughs> like grind it all up, less shady. That would but when break you have a hammer, probably, but yeah. no, they they make fancy shredders like that. You've never seen that online? That shred videotapes tapes, exactly. Or I've never, I've never seen. Oh one no, of they have shredders that could shred you. That's really? not coming up in your Instagram algorithm. Okay. No, it's very Hulk and, Hogan and coolers. Though, a lot of people <laughs> find it kind of. I'm buying uh, that thing. Uh, entertaining and calming to watch huh. things. Get oh, broken. like those crushers they throw yeah. like a couch into it. I have seen those. Yeah. I have seen those. And people like watching it. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. I enjoyed watching that stuff. I like the hydraulic press too. Yeah, that squash, uh, squishes random objects. I enjoy that as well. Ninety thousand Skittles compressed. Yeah, here's like a cell phone getting or a baseball getting crushed that by is a hydraulic calming. press. Yeah, woman on floor with hammer, <laughs> shady. <laughs> Definitely shady. It just feels shady. I'm not gonna lie. All right, it is uh, five thirty. Mego's not here, but we're gonna do some heart splaining right about now. Is there an opener? Should I go? This is it. This is your opener. Oh, this is it? Yeah. I didn't know if there was like a, a voice or guy says, it's heart splaining time. We just figured this out five minutes ago. That would be amazing if I had that, I, wouldn't it? I have a lot of faith in you. I don't. Maybe you don't your in yourself, but I have faith in you. Place. You want us to play Little Miss Can't Be Wrong for you? We could do that. That's what we do for Mega. I just, I got this nice <laughs> cover of Black Betty. So, I got covered. This came to me on the fly a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, marketing is a miraculous thing. I believe. Sure. Like the ability to make people want something that they never knew they needed or wanted. And that is what I want to talk about. Okay. What is the best or worst thing that you didn't know you needed that you were sucked into, marketed, uh, FOMO'd, whatever you want to call it? Like, for example, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to use their name because they're not an advertiser. But uh, cookies are a real big thing these days. There's a certain company that has blown up. With like five dollar cookies, and oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're everywhere, in like strip malls and stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And people now just willingly say, "Hey, you want to go get these cookies?" And you, like a it's family like a of scene, four yeah. is spending twenty bucks on just cookies. Mm-hmm. And it happens in my. I come home to my house probably three times a week, where either my son, my daughter, <laughs> their friends have these boxes are just on the table, and it's like, where are you getting this money to spend twenty, twenty five dollars on cookies? You dead? But I, <laughs> you're not lying. Um, but I will say. They're pretty good cookies. <laughs> yeah. But they're so well marketed that they come out with a new menu every week to lure you in because it's only for this week that you can get this version, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Or, you know, for example, big TVs. Mm-hmm. Like forever, people were happy with their 20-inch TV. And then all of a sudden, and that ties me in, I thought of this a little bit early in the first stages of Dynasty where Ty Law was all excited about his flat screen because they right. built a wall in front of the TV <laughs> so it looks like a flat screen. Yeah. But suddenly, that everybody. Old condo, right? Y- you drive yeah. by these little, for example, little apartments, little condos, where they got like an eighty screen, eighty inch screen on the wall, and you're like, "Do you really need that in your mm-hmm. little? Maybe save the two grand you pay, you spade, spent on the TV, and and have a nicer house. Have yeah. a ni- like. There's this whole world where we've been convinced we need stuff that we really don't need, and we spend a lot of money on this stuff that we really don't need. So. What's an example of something that you've been marketed into, suckered into? Because I'll give you a positive example. Mm-hmm. I never thought I really needed the whole zero-turn lawnmower. 
It's life-changing. Oh, yeah? Absolutely life-changing. Okay. You know, I thought it was for uh, landscapers. Those people, like, oh, they got to go really fast. They need that. That what? Do I need it? Do I need to? Because they're more expensive. Right. They they upsell you. It's an extra two grand or whatever for the riding lawnmower. You can get the regular rider for, like, two grand or the zero turn for four. Do I really need the zero turn for two grand more? Yes, you do. It's the greatest thing that's ever been invented. It makes mowing fun, and it cuts it the time in half. Okay. It's awesome. So these cookies, are these cookies an example of good or bad? Remember cupcakes were along this road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few years ago, everybody told you. All the cupcake places started closing recently, right. too. because now yeah, cookies are the a next big cupcake thing. explosion, right. yeah. Donuts have had their ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Like, these donuts now cost, like, $4 a donut, because it's not really a donut. It's kind of a Cannoli's mini. Cannoli's going to have their day again. You're just watching. They might come back, because they're traditional. Hey, the cannoli never dies. So make it special for you. It, do you have an example of something that's very much worth it that you never knew you needed until you had it? Yeah. And then something that you never knew you needed. And I would put streaming services on the negative side. Okay. I never knew yeah. I needed them, and I think they suck. And I want to go back to cable, and I think eventually we will. Because guess what's happening? They're all starting to bunch together. Right. And that's called cable. <laughs> when you guys all join this together to one service, cable, it's cable. Yeah. So I think streaming, <laughs> where we were marketed something that is stupid. Yeah. Um, one thing that I... One thing that I have recently uh, decided is an important part of my life. You guys ever been to like a hot pot restaurant? Yes. You know what they? I is? know yeah, what yeah. they are. I've yeah. never been though. For the uninitiated, a hot pot restaurant is basically a uh, a place where you sit at a table and there's a hole in the table and there's like a, a big bowl and they just heat up the broth and you take all the ingredients and you dump it in the broth. A lot of them have like buffets and you get like the vegetables or they bring over some like raw meat or raw fish or whatever and you dump it in and it's, you know, it gets boiling hot and you basically make the soup there right in front of you. If you think about it, you're making your own food, you know? Like, oh, yeah. It's like you're doing all the work, you know? Like, you could go to a place, like a pho place or something, and they'll just make it for you, and you, you can order certain things. But in this one... You put the toppings on the pizza, and you put it into yeah, the oven. that's basically what it is. It's no, but Kramer's, there's those It's Kramer's too. idea, you know? Like, where you there's make your own pie. Where they you buy the toppings and you bring it home yeah, and cook exactly. it. No, no, no. If I wanted to cook, I'd cook. I want to have a nice, easy night. I want the pizza to arrive, and I want to put no, it in my you're mouth. You're going right. to spend money in my restaurant. You're going to pay for the ingredients. You're going to put it together. I'm going to give you a bill. You're going to pay, and you're going to go home yeah. and get out. I, I got to tell you, I love hot pot. <laughs> I do. I understand that Why? it's kind of dumb, but I just something about dropping the food in, you know, getting it ready when it's just when it's exactly right, having the sauce that you can sort of mix it with, sitting there making a big mess at the table with like this big feast. Like that's that's how I like to eat. So the text line nine seven eight brings up heated mirrors on your car door. Absolute game changer. I think cars are loaded with these things. Mm-hmm. Some of them are great and some of them aren't. For me I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> for me, the one that I never had until and I didn't think it was a big deal is the self dimming mirror or whatever it's called. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So that the high beams don't look bright when you look in your mirror. Mm-hmm is a lifesaver. I'm into that. I mean, so, like, changes everything. I got the heated steering wheel. Ooh, heated steering brag. wheel. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I didn't know I needed until I had uh, it. Heated car seats are pretty high on the... Like, I like those, Those too. are real... For around here. During Now, I don't have cooled, and I'm not sure if I need the cooled car seats. I know that's another thing that's a car version of this where they market it to you and they charge a lot more, like, oh, you need the package with the uh, cooled car seats. That'll right. be an extra five grand. <laughs> um. But I think there's a million of these things. And I find this world, this also ties into, I'm into infomercials. You're into infomercials? Clearly. I, I, that's like the genesis of this whole it segment is. is you just sitting there going, oh, my God. 
I didn't know that I needed a Chia Pet that waters its yeah, right. Billy, whatever Billy Mays else. guy. And you're right. I wouldn't have bought it for $80, but when you put the little X through it a couple times and now it's only $39.95. Those roofs can cost you thousands in repairs. They're giving it away. Or the, the any of the food-related ones, I always go back to, have you ever had trouble making an omelet and they <laughs> cut to a guy with, like, eggs in his hair? Oh, and yeah. It's like, you need the Omelet Maker 2000. That guy's no, really No, I've never actually trouble. had a problem. I crack the egg and I cook it and I eat it. It's amazing. If you clean the pan right after you're done with it, you don't get egg stuck in there. It doesn't matter if it's copper or otherwise. Who's, that, way? who's that crazy son bitch with the uh, flex seal? Yeah. That's what, that was Mike Leaky Roofs that caused you thousands of repairs. That Makes guy. a whole boat out of the flex and seal. And it works. You and he's seals remarkable. There's sharks in the water and he is going through the shark and it's no big deal. He's in the flex seal boat. Correct. It works. I had a hole you in this big plac- plastic tub, <laughs> slammed it on like he shows you how to do where the yeah. water's coming out. It sticks. It's a miracle. Unbelievable. It's awesome. But it's well marketed. And it probably existed forever. I just didn't know it was there until he put it on TV and called it Flex Seal and showed mm. me that you could block up a pool leak with it or build a boat out of it. Do you own a ShamWow? I or, a, or a Slap Chop? What's a Slap Chop? The Slap Chop was that little yeah. chopper thing, right? Oh, I the same my... guy, The same guy with the ShamWow. Was other yeah. wasn't, he, wasn't he a creep or something? He uh, had a problem with the prostitute, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I, I, allegedly. I don't know that went. But I think she, like, bit his tongue off or something. Like, amongst us. I think that happened. Now, the <laughs> flip side of this, as a parent, there's some of this, and you may go through this as your uh, child gets a little older. Mm-hmm. When I played baseball, you showed up, and the team provided you with things, like bats and helmets yeah, right. and equipment. You came with your glove, but you didn't go to bat with your own bat and your own helmet. Now, yeah, some some kids did, but, like, yeah, for the most yeah. part, you used Now, everybody there. has their own bat and their own helmet, and you got to have it, and you got to have, like, the thing to protect your elbow, and you got to have, like, the thing to protect your thumb. And From what? These kids, what do you think? These kids throwing <laughs> some gas? Some kids dials it up to 48 miles an hour. <laughs> no, no, That's no. smart. <laughs> this is how it works. That's insane. You have to bring your own everything, and you have to look like you're freaking Mike Trout or Shohei Otani out there. Yeah, all these little Ronald Acuna Juniors running around with their yes. highlighter uh, red and, and gold. That's crazy. And all us sucker parents do it. Oh, where's your helmet? Well, it's in my personalized helmet bag with my personalized bat that's stuck in the side and hanging over on the dugout with the other 12 personalized helmet bags hanging in the dugout. It's really, but I find it fascinating. They convinced us, and we bitch about money and inflation. If we stopped buying the stupid stuff, I think we'd be fine. But you you have just listed like 18 things that, are, I mean, would be fair. Like, do you need a heated steering wheel? Probably not. Is it a necessity to have uh, self-dimming mirrors or what? I don't know. It's I'm, really nice. I'm such an analog, mm. basic Betty. Like, everything that you've just <laughs> described, I go, ugh, why do I need that? Like, I'm happy I don't have computers in my car. Um, I, I mean, I had an iPhone 4 for, until they basically told me, we're not going to carry your, your phone anymore because it's 15 years out of date. So this this is like the complete opposite. Uh, the, the idea that there's something I would need so badly, no, I don't. I can't relate to that because I just think everything is dumb. Although the hot pot idea, now we're starting to get something. See, I'm just a sucker for every gimmick. That's the problem. Yeah, I have walked out of grocery stores that have self checkout. That we've done this in Meg's plane. I, I walked in. I go, oh, there's nobody working here. I'm going to another grocery store because I don't want to. I don't work in a grocery store. Well, Pay these people to do the work for me. And that's in that world of. Wait, that was, that I, was I have like to the check beginning my own, of it. Yeah. I have to check my own things out? Why is that? Don't I? Isn't there? Isn't that built into the cost of all the products no, no, no. I it's buy here? It's a convenience, and this gets back to the main idea of things that you don't really need. It's, oh, you know, if I had a, a copper pan, I wouldn't spend nearly as much time scrubbing or whatever. But it's like, again, if you just weren't lazy, you wouldn't need half the stuff that you need. But it does. that you think you need, I should say. The self-checkout allows me to not have weird interaction with a person that I don't really want to have weird sure. interaction weird with. And it's interaction. easier to steal that way, too. 
That is true. That I, I, I no if one's you gonna see stop me you. at your grocery right store at yeah. self checkout. I am stealing. When I was in college, I stole a lot of rolls of toilet paper at self checkout. But the first time it was by accident. The first time I had them like under the cart, so like I was pushing through and I forgot to do it, and I just was like, okay. And I get out there and I was like, huh. And I so then I tried it again, and then I never paid for toilet paper ever again. You're like <laughs> robbing Glazer, walking slowly Basically, away. Yeah. The text line is blowing up with the Stanley craze. Oh, the Stanley, the Stanley cups, cups, which are which have lead in them. And they're also just Yetis. Weren't Yetis the same thing? Basically, yeah. It's aluminum lined, whatever, keeps it cold, keeps it hot. Yeah. It was called a thermos when Stanley first invented it like 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, but I don't is, know. Just the bigger and dumber the cups get, the more women are into them, I think. I don't know. Mego's not here to explain the uh, the Stanley Cup thing. Well, they ma- they match your outfit, right? Or they match your uh, mood. I or suppose they match they your fingernails. Or, and now you've spent 500 or or $1,000 on having 10 or 12 of them. Having a bunch of cups. A bunch of dumb cups. All right. Uh, that was uh, heart-splaining. And we did got- I do it? You did it. Is that you how it's it. supposed to work? You explained lots of things in that segment, I think. That we're and, all dumb uh, and we spend money on things we don't provided need. Provided a service to the people out there. Uh, we'll do that again here with Bet Roulette, which is coming up next. show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston WEEI and check out WEEI on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of Jones and Mego on WEEI. I'm going inside a club and my phone rings. Hello? Uh, hey, Randy, it's uh, Coach Belichick. And I... What? I says, Bill Belichick of the Patriots. He goes, what? And hung up the phone. Like, well, maybe he doesn't want to come to New England. So then I called him again. Hello? Uh, Randy, uh, this is Coach Belichick. And I'm sitting there like, man, who the hell keeps playing on my phone? And he's like, all right, now who is this? Like, this is a prank. And so I go, no, no, this is, this is Bill Belichick, and, and we've traded for you. He cut straight to the chase. He said, look, man, if you're not up here by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, no trade. And I'm like, oh, shit, I, I just hung up on Bill. Me and a couple of my boys were sitting at a table, and I ordered a 12-pack of Corona. Man, I held one of my Coronas. I said, I'm going to be a patriot! I remember most people liking them. It was a fourth-round pick, right, that they traded for him. It yeah. wasn't like, you know, they didn't have to give up Nothing. a lot. He was so disgruntled in the uh, uh, LA at the, or Oakland at the time. Yep. With uh, like Tui Isosopo and Andrew Walter were Andrew his quarterbacks. Walter he hated. Yeah, I mean that was it was a bad situation for him there. I think he had um, Aaron Brooks was Brooks with quarterback one Might year maybe. Been. And it was just, he was so disgruntled. It seemed like you know his career was fading away. Oh, people wondered if he had lost a step, if he was done, yeah. if he. And the Patriots were coming off that 06 season where Rashad Caldwell and Doug Gabriel and Jabbar Gaffney, who they kept. But, you know, I mean, it was it was not exactly murderer's row wide receiver, and they had gotten to the AFC Championship game. But there was a real worry that, okay, you bring in Randy Moss, all of a sudden the Patriot way is not going to be the Patriot way anymore. He likes to moon the crowd. He likes that. He does this. He does that. He's, you know, not like a, a typical Patriot, even though he'd already won with Corey Dillon. It wasn't exactly a typical Patriot either nope. before he got here. But with Moss, it was different. I feel like with Moss, there was a lot of pants peers at the time who thought that it was going to totally destroy the team. Absolutely. And people that thought he didn't fit, and I referenced it earlier, oh, you'll never win with that kind of player, and you went undefeated until yeah. – 
I mean, you didn't I'm win. A minute le- you didn't, but I don't think that makes that <laughs> But you did win accurate. with that kind of play because Corey Dillon was a problem child. I think uh, Corey you know? Dillon was worse in some ways. Yeah. Corey I mean, Dillon he had a rap sheet. field yeah. was a rap sheet guy. Yeah. Moss was more of a immature, mercurial receiver. Right. Emotional and did dumb stuff and a big kid kind of, whereas Corey Dillon had some legitimate issues. Did he go to Tennessee right after that? Uh, after the Patriots, Moss went to Tennessee, right? Or did he? was there a stop before that? Did he go to the Vikings and then Tennessee? Because I, like I remember he went back to Minnesota. Tennessee. But, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it never, and I think oh, it was it on the Niners, out. too, he was on, right? went to the, the Super end? Bowl with the Niners. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, he was, when he left New England, even though he was great the entire time in New England. Yes. Great. He had double-digit touchdowns every year. I know. I miss, and I miss Then he made days. that, uh, put the, the earth on these shoulders press <laughs> conference, and then it was over. <laughs> yep. Some some reason that didn't uh, that didn't fly anymore. Nope. Um, so uh, there you go. We got uh, just a few minutes left here before we get in the bet roulette. But let's just get into it right now. All right, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have the money and the hammer, or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. You don't f- around in this place. You got it? Boom, boom. That's it. Gambling. Andy Hart, are you familiar with bet roulette? Do you know how it works? I believe I roll a number and then I get a bet that I have to answer. You do. Uh, it is uh, bet roulette brought to you by Cars for Kids. The easy way to donate your car. Donate today. Your car can be picked up tomorrow. Go to carsforkids.com or call one eight seven seven cars for kids That's Cars with a K. And the number four, Ryan has uh, six picks on the board. I do, and you guys swept last night. We, we did. Parlay. We hit all three on the parlay. Hit a Celtics three-legger. Parlay, yep. All Celtics picks. Um, I had Tatum over two and a half threes. Uh, Jones had uh, Celtics eight and a half, and Mego had over two twenty three or whatever it was. We all hit. It wasn't a big. Uh, it wasn't very juicy. It was only like plus four hundred, but uh, still, it was uh, it was a win. And hopefully, we can do that again for you here. Ryan's gonna roll, but uh, let's go with Andy first. Andy, give it a roll. What's the etiquette? Throw it, roll it right in front of you me. Do whatever you want. I shoot at the basket. Is what I usually do. I and sometimes it. I make it. Yeah. Yeah. Mego makes blues clues noises and drops it. <laughs> it's true. What'd you I'm get? probably supposed to see it where it I would help. I can't see it. Yeah, I, I got 18 monitors in front of me. What's it say, Andy? What do we got? It's a three. We've got a, it's three. a three. A three. A three. These a three. are all uh, because the uh, the NBA is back and they're still trying to figure out some uh, money line stuff. I have uh, just taken point spread. So number three is actually the biggest spread of the night, Andy. The Thunder are minus 15 and a half point favorites. They are hosting the Washington Wizards. Uh, do you like the Thunder by 15 and a half points or do the Wizards cover? I'm not real comfortable taking the Wizards. That's a big number. That is in, indeed a big number. I think there's mm-hmm. another big number with uh, the Warriors and Charlotte. But uh, Yes, but not as big. Not as big. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> I will take the Thunder. I will lay those points. I like it. I like teams that are good coming out of the break. I feel like there's like a an energy, a newfound rebirth or mm-hmm. whatever. So they're a young team. They're a fun team. They score points. Why not? The Wizards aren't good ever. Right. So, yeah, I mean, they right. probably should kick their ass. All right, here we go. Arcand, it's not going to half court it from the one seat. He wasn't even close. He, he hit, hit the ceiling. The ceiling. Did you not ever play Nerf in a low ceiling? Uh, I did. Okay, place? it's a like, low ceiling. It's yeah, farther away than they usually what shoot from. did you roll? It's a two. It's a two. Uh, let me get my other tab back up here. Number two, the Cleveland Cavaliers. They will be in Philadelphia tonight. We're having a rough go of it. Cleveland is a six-point favorite at Philadelphia, Arkan. Do you like the Sixers to cover or the Cavs by six points? I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Cleveland here, even though they have had a couple of losses lately. I think they just lost to Orlando, and the Sixers did beat them recently, too. Other than that, they've been kicking everybody's ass, and I think that they'll probably get back on track with that uh, here, even though they are kicking off a quick 
road trip. I like Cleveland. I think that, uh, you know, they've got a lot going for him right now. Donovan Mitchell's day-to-day. Do we know if he's playing? Because that would uh, sway my pick a little bit. Um, if he's not playing, I might I might lean Philly, but I'm going to assume that he does uh, since they just lost to him recently. So give me the Cavs minus 5.5. Okay, so one has to roll for me. And it's 6, by the way, not 5.5. Oh, oh, it's six. Roll what? Whatever. I'll still do it. Oh, do I need? I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, yeah. You roll for. Uh, Don't roll you for roll for Ryan. And he's going for a he's free throw. Miss that one. I got a five. A five. A five would be ooh. Oh, this is so great. I'm happy I got this one. The New Orleans Pelicans are playing the Miami Heat tonight. They host the Miami Heat. Uh, Pelicans are Pelicans a, two, been killing and a half point favorite. I'm a big fan of Brandon Ingram. Uh, I think he's very underrated. And my uh, dislike of the Heat is well documented on this radio program. I'm taking the New Orleans Pelicans at a very fair number at home. Minus two and a half uh, against the Miami Heat. Well, you're betting against Heat culture. Uh, yeah, Andy. Ryan hates the I'm heat betting so against much. heat culture. I think heat culture is one of the dumbest things ever. It's it's almost as dumb as collaboration. You are I'm welcome ha- back. I'm going into the belly want. of the heat culture beast tomorrow, so uh, I'll report back, Ryan. I'll let you know how it is down there. Let him know I think they stink. I will. I'll <laughs> find Jimmy Butler and I'll tell him you said that. Terry staying Rozier. right on the beach. I appreciate that. Uh, near it, yeah. We're staying. We're staying pretty close by. We got friends that we're staying with, and they're uh, not. Are you a, a real estate agent? Far from the beach. We on the beach? Well, you're near it. Close to it. <laughs> Walking distance. You can get there. It's only a few minute walk. Anyway, uh, that's all for us. Andy Hart, great job. Uh, great working with you too. Thank you. It was fun. Um, yeah, you and I don't get to work together that much, so that was fun. No. Uh, Ryan, great job as always. Stick around. Rich Keith coming up next with Fitzy. I'd imagine since Hart's oh, right it's here. It's actually me. I'm hanging out for a little bit with. Are him. you really? Yeah. Okay. He gets a little, a little crossover. Oh, that's quite a shift for you, my friend. Well, I'm only staying for like a half hour. Oh, all right. Still, like long shift. Pull. Anyways, uh, I'm out. I'm out all next week. So uh, enjoy Jones and Mego without Arcan. I will talk to you in a week. Everybody enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Goodbye. That's you the pumpkin market. The gift I don't know me. this song. And the card inside would say thank you for being a friend. Excuse me. Having some ice cream with Jose Iglesias? Yeah. We had tequila. It is. Excuse me. Tequila. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. 
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.